This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Happy Friday and happy Grey Cup weekend. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. And needless to say, we've got a lot to get to today on this Friday, heading into the big game on Sunday. And of course, coming off just an amazing night at Canada Life Center last night, a hat trick from Kyle Connor with Tamu Solani and Teppo Newman in the house in 13 and 27 going up into the rafters as members of the Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame. We are all over today's Grey Cup, and of course, the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. Murat Atesh is going to jump on with us coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll also head to Regina and get the latest on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with Ed Tate, our guy from BlueBombers.com. And Weber is in Regina getting ready to cover the Bombers' quest for the three-peat. We'll look forward to having Ken on a little bit later on, talking both Jets and Bombers. And we won't forget about the opposition, the Toronto Argonauts. Mike Hogan, longtime voice of the Argos, will also jump on before the end of the program. We'll get to the cool bet lines, give you the updated line in the Grey Cup, as well as for the uh, Jets continuing their homestand and the World Cup as well. And it's Friday, the return of marbles this afternoon to finish up the show. Um, big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our partners at Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Not Auto Corp, Consolidated Supply. Big announcement, by the way, on the Marbles Tournament of Champions. Stay tuned for that. We'll give you all the details at the end of the program when we drop marbles on our usual Friday time. Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Culligan Water, Canadian Club Whiskey, Boston Pizza, you got big plans for a big Grey Cup party. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. Of course, the Nick and Nicky DQ group and Little Brown Jug. Don't have the name of the winner, by the way, of the Little Brown Jug. I just sent an email, so hopefully I'll know that a little bit later on. But thanks to everyone that filled out that survey. And good luck to all of you in the draw from our friends at Little Brown Jug. Let's get after it. We got to talk bombers. We got to talk jets and so much more. Michael Remus joins me now. Rima, what is going on? I'm feeling good. It's Friday. It's Grey Cup weekend. We had a, was it a historic night at uh, Canada Life Center last night? The Jets Hall of Fame inductions looking sharp in the reverse retros. And Kyle Connor bringing everyone to their seats in the final minute uh, with the hat trick. So uh, lots to get to. Jets are playing well, Huss. I know Dallas uh, beat up on Florida yesterday. So, But they're up there in the Central Division looking real strong. And uh, the Bombers again. Going for the three-peat, and I also saw the uh, Connor Bedard highlight goal 10 seconds into the ice oh. game all over Twitter, and I did enjoy seeing Brian Munns and Kevin O uh, with the call on that. So Bedard is in town, too. You know, one more chance to catch him Saturday evening, and oh yeah, Penguins here, too, Saturday. So a lot a lot to get to. This is, this is a fun time of year, Huss. Yeah, No, there absolutely is. And listen, we're going to get to the game, the latest on the Grey Cup in a minute. Um, welcome to everybody in chat. Uh, and, of course, everyone listening on the pod. I know there's a lot of folks that will be listening to this on their way out to Regina. To everyone heading out west and supporting the Bombers this weekend, I will miss you. Have one for me and have a great time as the Bombers look to make history. But the number one topic in chat right now, Remo, is everyone reminding me about the news that they've just announced that in Qatar, 
they have gone back on the original decision and there will be no beer at the games for the 2022 World Cup. Let me just tell you, I'm prepared for that. It is not a big deal. I'm going to be on a, it's a work slash pleasure trip. And um, the bottom line is Remo, by my calculations, they were probably going to be about 40 bucks a pop anyways. So it's probably just a good financial decision by the folks at the uh, in Qatar to, uh, well, <clears throat> save people like me a lot of money. I actually thought that they didn't allow beer there anyway. So I didn't even know that they had beer. They hadn't made an exception for the stadium. That's kind of was. I didn't even know that they had the exception, so this really wasn't news. I was like, oh, I, th I just thought they didn't have beer. That's kind of the rules of the country, and they're not bowing down to FIFA, letting them bring in that uh, <laughs> Satan's drink beer, right? Isn't that, isn't that why? <laughs> I, listen, I, the devil's I mean, juice. I'll be, able to, I'll be able to fill you in on much more of the uh, cultural differences between Canada and Qatar coming up next week once we get there and figure it out a little bit. No but, revealing um, clothing. Yeah. Dress. <laughs> make sure you're covered up, Hus. <laughs> my, so my, uh, my uh, maple leaf banana hammock should stay in the uh, – should yeah. stay uh, – or, or something covered up Be beforehand. careful. Um, no, it all, listen, and if you didn't know, I am heading out to Doha tomorrow. I'm traveling uh, over the course of the weekend. We'll get there hopefully with a few hours to spare before finding a way to watch the Grey Cup in the middle of the night on, I guess, what will be Monday morning, and then dive right into the first day of World Cup action. And now hopefully, technology permitting, being able to uh, join Michael and be on the show as normal, although I'm sure we'll be having few of the guys step up on a few days where I'll be at games or won't be there, but we'll be firing out a ton of content. Follow me on Instagram at Hustlerama, same as my Twitter, and of course the Cool Bet Canada socials, Cool Bet Canada on Twitter, Cool Bet Canada on Instagram. Uh, myself and Jake Bolin Moss will be giving you a little bit of a different look of the World Cup than you might be getting on TSN or Rogers. Or uh, we won't be breaking down the four four two strategies of the clubs, but we will be breaking down fans from around the world coming there. Some of the neat things around the World Cup and obviously, hopefully all the sights and sounds of Canada returning to the World Cup with some great results beginning Wednesday against the Belgians. All that being said, let's get to it, Remo. We'll focus in on the Grey Cup for a good portion of the second half of the program. But let's get to last night down at Canada Life Centre. First off, well done to everybody involved in the uh, ceremony beforehand. What a special, special feeling it was to be in the building seeing Teppo Newman and Tamu Solani, two all-time great Jets and Finnish superstars, have their numbers raised to the rafters. It was um, it was a really special moment. It was incredibly well done. And as we'll talk about with Murat a little bit later on, I just couldn't help but feel so thankful that I got a chance to sort of grow up watching both of those players, and especially Teppo Newman. I mean, Newman was such a big part of that hockey club. He was a quiet, classy leader um, and one of the best all-round players that we've had in Winnipeg. And to see him out there getting those sort of accolades was so much fun. And what can you say about Timu Solani? International superstar, one of the greatest players in NHL history, with one of the most famous seasons in NHL history that happened right here in the peg, scoring 76 times in his rookie year. Um, it was just a perfect way to start off what ended up being a really, really great night for the Winnipeg Jets and their fans. Yeah, I was at home uh, watching on TV, but I thought the broadcast was done really well, showing the ceremony, showing uh, the video tributes. And I see some alumni 
uh, coming out as well to ovations. Uh, they had a number of highlights, you know, old highlights during the game. I know they showed stuff, uh, the you know, TV timeouts at the game as well. And it's nice to see these old highlights uh, in high quality. We don't see too many of those anymore, but uh, I love seeing the reverse retro jerseys. A lot of compliments on those. Oh, and those I, looked awesome last night. I, I think I was kind of maybe under, a bit underwhelmed by when they came out, but they're, I love it. I love the, the classic number and letter font. I love using the 90s era logo. That's a logo I grew up with. I actually found us uh, my autograph book from when I was a kid. I get in their autographs outside uh, River Heights Arena. I did have a, a Solani in there. But um, yeah, seeing it raised up with the other uh, legends, I love seeing them honor honor the past year. Nice to have these celebratory nights. Gets people excited. Brings back a lot of positive uh, memories. And um, just very, very well done. Uh, all right. I love the Hall of Fame jacket. They wear it reminds oh, me it reminds it me of so um, cool the like snl five timers club jacket when you host host the show five <laughs> five times but it's, it's it's pretty cool uh seeing them all all wear it so um great, may, great you know event. what now that you mentioned that yeah we may have to do a wst hall of fame with some of our favorite <laughs> regulars and we could do we'll talk to andrew at f apparel and we'll get the sure the wst hall of fame jacket we'll make a little logo like the jets have thomas dean of course came out wearing his yesterday i mean he's incredibly proud of being part of that group and then a few of their former teammates as you mentioned pat ellenuck darren shannon um who else am i forgetting that uh, that came out thomas dean randy gillen oh and randy gillen of course the doc um so yeah it was uh, it was amazing. Uh, both Tamu and uh, Tepo's beautiful families were out there. It was just a great, great way to get things going. And then they dropped the puck on the game room. And I like the way the Jets started out. It really looked like John Gibson was on one last night. And Jets missed a couple of glorious opportunities. Pierre Dubois rang one off the up the post. But from then on in, uh, for the rest of the first period, there was a bit of a lull from the Winnipeg Jets. And the Ducks got right back into the game and took the lead. But the story of this game, in addition to honoring one of the great snipers in NHL history, was the reemergence of one of the great snipers in the current NHL, that being Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets, who had been completely snake bit so far. And shout out to anyone that rolled with uh, our conversation doing our cool bet lines yesterday when we talked about the goal prop. Could he possibly score two? And then 22 to 1 on the hat trick last night because the hats were raining down. Kyle Connor is back and he was the star, the sniping star of last night's game with Solani in the building. The only thing that didn't happen, which would have made last night better, was if he threw the glove up and shot it down with his stick after scoring the go ahead goal in the final minute of the game. Yeah, he, it was a big missed opportunity there. He talked after the game, joking about it with Blake Wheeler on the bench. I think if he was like closer to Winnipeg, maybe growing up and was more familiar with the celebration, he would have done it. But um, uh, it, it would have been so like so viral. It was pretty awesome that he scored a hat trick in the Solani night, like the new Jet Sniper uh, scoring one in front of the old, you know, uh, old Jet Sniper. Uh, but I, I agree with you on the game. They started off hot, bit of a lull. Second period, there was a power play where they worked it around. Uh, for a while, and even times that five on five, where they had extended possession, and uh, I know Troy Terry got the first goal. He got kind of nervous, and he thought maybe this is a game in the past where 
the Jets didn't have their A game for the whole game and they would lose to an inferior team, but they found ways um, to win these games. You saw that they pulled it off against Seattle. They pulled it off against Arizona on the road and here against Anaheim. They're beating the team. They're winning the games they're supposed to win. And you can't say that about the Jets of the past where they would have, you know, maybe it was a big night where they would have a, a, a dud game. And for Kyle Connor, I know he wasn't scoring, but his expected goals show that he was the most snake bit player in the league. The chances were there. You know, inch here, inch here, he probably would have a couple goals in. You look at the goal prop last night. The goal, the betting market didn't think that he was any worse. He was the, the most favored player to score. So nice for him to get finally get off, uh, get the monkey off his back with the hat trick. Great seeing the hats. Uh, rain down. What an awesome scene on uh, Hall of Fame night, getting the hat. I was just killing myself after that conversation, I not hitting you. that a little harder and getting in on the 22 to 1 on the hat trick. Because if you were there with us at the end of the program, we went through those scenarios. The first thing I said is, I'm in on Kyle Connor to score last night. Then we got in talking about two and three. Thought it was maybe a little aggressive considering he hadn't scored. But that's on me because I said, when he does score, they're going to come in bunches. And that is exactly what happened last night. And man, can't say enough. Sam Gagne, I thought, looked really good pumping back up on the first line, um, you know, in a real spot of need right now with potentially Nikolai Ehlers being out far longer than anyone expected when he was originally ruled out for seven to ten days. And uh, But really, that was Kyle Connor and Mark Scheifele taking over that game late. And uh, it was a long time coming for Kyle Connor. You could feel the relief. And uh, we got to hear whatever that Luke Combs song that uh, everyone's been waiting for three times last night as the hats rained on the ice thanks to 81. Yeah, Zach Claros's ankle uh, comes out in chat. He says, would have been ballsy to do it uh, do it before the game was decided. I guess there was a minute left after the third one, but he could have done it for the three-star celebration. I'm here I'm here for that, Hus, oh, for the three-star. Okay, he, that actually would have been... Because I was thinking, like, that celebration that Solani did, like, no one's ever doing that again. You couldn't do that. Do that. It's, like, amazing that he even did that in an NHL game. Such a ridiculous uh, celebration that's become so iconic. But uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think you could pull that off in 2022, but for the, I mean, might as well do it for the three stars. Missed, missed opportunity to get some uh, viral moments. Where was the Jets social media team advising him on that one? <laughs> they're doing, they're yeah. doing a great job though. The, the social they media are, team. they are. Hey, listen, it would have been amazing if that happened, but the bottom line was it was uh more important for Kyle Connor to reemerge as the most dangerous sniper on the Winnipeg Jets, get the good vibes going and score not one, not two, but three goals last night and help the team win a hockey game. Um, I, I will say this. I mean, there wasn't, I mean, for the most part, the Jets, I, I thought, acquitted themselves quite well. Anaheim does have a few pretty dangerous players. I, I'm really impressed with Mason McTavish as he kind of gets his feet wet and, you know, becomes a consistent NHLer. And holy smokes, I mean, the answer from Anaheim after the Jets went up 2-1 with that goal by Trevor Zegers was big league. And you see why he's one of the most exciting young players in the game and on the cover of the new EA hockey game. Yeah, Zegers and Troy Terrier having a nice season. You watch them uh, pass the puck. They get a lot of points. But uh, it's been a rough go for Anaheim. Has don't have a win in regulation. You're not going to get wins, Has doing lacrosse moves. Doesn't win you games in regulation. <laughs> Can't skill it up like that. Uh, so tough for tough for Anaheim. Uh, John Gibson did did look good at the start, but uh, 
The Jets. John just Gibson keep was awesome away. last night. Yeah. He was awesome last night. I mean, you know, finally, I mean, it took the best of Kyle Connor and to score in a few different ways uh, to get that win last night. And I thought the first goal where Connor sort of thread the needle in between Dubois, who is in front of the net being a pain in the ass to the, uh, to the ducks and John Gibson kind of got him going. And then Kyle Connor was, uh, was off to the races. Uh, no Dylan DeMello last night. Kyle Capobianco did play. It'll be interesting to hear what Rick Bonus has to say heading into tomorrow's game on DeMello's status and potentially seeing if Billy Hanela is going to get an opportunity in the lineup right now. Uh, Mikey Acemont was back in. He, I know he was scheduled, at least on the line rushes before the game, to be playing with Adam Lowry. Um, but we really saw that same unit of Lowry, Menelainen, and Axel Johnson Fialbi playing together. And then Acemont playing along with David Gustafson and Dominic Toninato. And very quietly, by the way, Remus, we don't haven't spent a lot of time talking about Gus. I mean, regardless of who's on, that fourth line has been really effective. He's so good in the face-off circle, so responsible defensively. He impresses me more and more every game. And this is a guy that was ready for the NHL opportunity and to me is taking it right now, running with it and making the most of it and earning more trust from Rick Bonus every time he goes out there. Yeah, we talked about the bottom six being completely remade here. I know Sam Gagne played on the top line yesterday and did have that nice uh, assist there and has contributed, but he's you know been on the bottom. Uh, the one guy that I, I like, um, Axel Janssen Fialbi. This guy's been an awesome uh, pickup waiver pickup. You love the speed, uh, love the intensity. Him and Lowry, nice pair. Uh, Staku Minalainen has been a good add as well, and he was getting some time with who uh, with Wheeler and Dubois, big boys. Ran around and started to him for taking the ceremonial face off as well. So, you know, we talked about this bottom six kind of been remade. And I think it's definitely helped them. And you are, you know, it's Kyle, all Kyle Connor last night, but they have contributed uh, throughout the season. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> listen, a few other things I do want to get to from the game last night. Uh, and I'm just seeing Comet mentioning the 52, 53, 54 Bossy's record is no more sign that we saw in the 300 level last night, I can confirm that is the original sign from the old Winnipeg arena. Um, and it's done essentially on paper. How they were able to preserve that the way they did was amazing. But to look around the arena and to see that in the other end was one of the coolest, coolest things um, about last night. So shout out to the guys that have preserved that and to bring it last night was just an amazing, amazing touch. But it got me thinking this, and I have to put this out to the chat. And Remo, you're probably too young to remember this. But in the Jets 1.0 days, there was a booster club that would make printed signs that would be up on the bulkheads of the arena. We'd often see them in the north end, if you remember, sort of section four, five, and six. There were some others in the corner. And maybe the most famous one, the reason why we bring it up after last night with the Hall of Fame ceremony, was Newmanin sets the tepo. There were often funny plays on words. There was another one that was brought up to me when we got talking about this. Every time the Jets played the Calgary Flames, they would. Uh, there was one that said, a Jets win is Otto, O-T-T-O hyphen Matic, kind of poking fun at Joel Otto. If you were around... We were kind of collecting memories of the other signs that you would remember from the uh, from the old arena. 
So if you're with us now, if you're in chat, hit that up. If you have the opportunity, throw some in the comments. We'll collect these over the next little while and have some fun on the show sometime with all of our memories from those hilarious booster club signs in the old Winnipeg arena. Do you remember those at all, Remo, or is that a little too early for you? Mm, I think that might be a bit too early, uh, too early for me, but uh, vaguely, vaguely. I mean, I the, uh, people are coming in here writing Newman and sets the tempo like every day. Yeah, well, exactly. That was probably the most famous one, and he was such a popular player. And one of the other things, I got to give credit to uh, Balls in the Gang for uh, the game production last night. They they rolled out, if people remember, there was a Jets album, like a musical album at one point, where they remade Canadian songs um, for about the, the, uh, about the Jets. Um, like Randy Bachman did uh, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet to a song about Alexei Zhamlov, where it says, that's one hot Russian jet. Oh, here, but, here it is, yes. But the one that they played last night in the game was, uh, I can't remember who plays Innocence. Uh, it's probably embarrassing. That looks like maybe Street Heart or one of those uh, top Canadian bands. But uh, it was uh, changed to... Harlequin. Oh, Harlequin, Harlequin, that's right. Well, the Harlequin version of Newman in was played last night at the arena. I popped big time for that last night and uh <laughs> it was uh it was great. We should we should play some of these once in a while. Maybe we'll do that in and around our uh in and around the holidays. Who's I don't got think, this? I don't think we'll get any I don't think we'll get any copyright infringement uh issues if we uh if we drop that. But yes, the hockey rock Winnipeg style. We got to get a copy of that at some point. But, uh, but man, it was great to hear Newman in played <laughs> last night in the Canada Life Center. <clears throat> oh my God. I'm looking at this uh, album on Discogs. I got one for sale for $67. I guess it's a rare Whoa. item. Yeah, if anyone's <laughs> going lying around. As we may need a, to invest yeah. in that as a as a company purchase, Remo, for uh, for WST. Yeah, well, I'm uh, sure I'm sure someone in Winnipeg has got one line, or I, I could I could rip it or something. So if you got it, let us let us know. This would be great. It's probably on YouTube, <laughs> I'm sure. Featuring Manitoba artists Randy Backman, Joey Gregorish, Colin James, Streetheart, Harlequin, Jennifer Hansen, Chris Burke Gaffney, Dave Big Dave McLean, and the Muddy Tones. And speaking of Jennifer Hansen. Got a chance to see her jump on stage with our pal Brent Fitz at the Took show a couple weeks ago and uh, didn't have the iconic red dress on that you'll remember from Jets 1.0, but did a bang-up job of the anthems on a night honoring two of the greatest Jets from that era in the 90s in Teppo Newman and Temu Solani. All right, we're going to talk to uh, Murata Tesh about last night's game and a little bit more on the Winnipeg Jets. Ed Tate coming up from Regina, Ken Weeb as well, and Mike Hogan on the Argos, all before the marbles drop at the end of today's program. Just before we get to our good friend, Murata Tesh, do have to uh, remind you folks that if you missed it a little earlier this year, we've teamed up with Wallace and & Wallace and Josh Morrissey for a program we're really proud of, the Wallace & Wallace Unsung Hero Program in support of the Dream Factory, which Josh is very much involved in. Um, hey, we, you know about the people that are making things happen quietly in our community, community volunteers, people taking care of people, those in need, 
people selflessly devoting their time and effort to make our community a better place. Not looking for recognition, but probably deserving it. We're calling on you, WST listeners, to nominate an unsung hero in your community by firing us an email and telling us a little bit about them at unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We're going to uh, share some of these stories throughout the month. And at the end of the month, we'll be drawing for an unsung hero. And they will win an autographed jersey from Josh Morrissey. And from the WST listener recognizing our unsung hero, Winnet Wallace and Wallace is going to make a $500 donation, which in turn will be matched by Josh and Margot Morrissey in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener who submitted the nomination to another group of unsung heroes, the kids at the Dream Factory. If you go to the links in the description of today's uh, show or just go to winnipegsports.com slash links, you can also click on what the Dream Factory's put up, a little bit more on the great work that they do, and an option if you'd like to support the Dream Factory with a donation, you can do that as well, all part of the program of the Unsung Hero. But again, give us your nominations, Unsung Hero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We can't wait to tell you about some of these great stories of people doing good things in the community and obviously supporting such a great uh, great charity here that working with our with Josh Morrissey in the Dream Factory. Uh, all right, Vita Health Fresh Market. Hey guys, November is Men's Health Month. Choosing the right natural health products are key and Vita Health carries everything you need to help relieve prostate issues, reduce stress and support mental focus. From Canadian brands like Prairie Naturals, who donate a portion of sales to the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Uh, but hey, there's a lot of sickness going around right now. If you're looking for the best prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, you got to pop by Vita Health, a great local company, family owned and operated since 1936. Um, if you can't make it down to the stores, check out their new fully shoppable website to buy online, schedule a, a schedule a delivery or in-store pickup. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And big announcement, if you haven't heard, the folks at Consolidated Supply, great friends of ours, have stepped up big time to help us launch the 12 Days of Marbles and the Marbles Tournament of Champions coming up in December when I am back. Now, we will do a marble race as normal today, but just to give you a heads up, come December, when I am back, we'll be doing 12 consecutive days with a marble race. We'll be qualifying three people in each race for our final race, which I believe is going to be scheduled for our final show of 2022. All the qualifiers will be in that final race and our last act of business in the year of 2022 will be to race all the qualifiers and the winner will receive a pair of bomber season tickets courtesy of our friends at Consolidated Supply. Consolidated Supply, the leaders in spas and hot tubs, outdoor kitchens, small engine repair, and all things golf, irrigation, landscaping, and artificial turf. Find out more at cte.ca. What a lot of people don't know is that they are open to the public. So pop by, see Spicy, see Joe and the gang, 1395 Niagara Road East. But in the meantime, check out everything they can do for you at their relaunched website at cte.ca. 
Big thanks to Consolidated Supply and cannot wait to get going with the Marbles Tournament of Champions coming up in December. All right, let's get back to it. Jets big win last night, hosting Pittsburgh tomorrow. We welcome in Murata Tesh from The Athletic for the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. How much fun was that for you, Murata, up in the press box, seeing uh, both what happened before the game and, of course, Kyle Connor finding his scoring uh, his scoring knack again at a perfect time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, John Liu was sort of forcing the angle, and it was so poetic and perfect. Forcing's not the right word, but it was nice. It was fitting that the sniper was the one who was on display on a night in part when Timu Solani was being honored. I thought that was pretty cool. For me, Solani, Newmanen, these are two of the classiest people associated with the Winnipeg Jets on any level, in any field. And, you know, I think Solani is obviously the biggest star of, of that duo and maybe even, um, you know, of Jets legends just held in such high esteem. But for me, Huss, like one of the joys, one of the things I want to highlight is when Teppo Newman is talking about why he plays and he's talking about his connection to the community in Winnipeg. He says, you have to meet the people, you have to meet your neighbors, you have to get to know your community, and that's who you play for. For me, this is as classy of a human being as is associated with the Winnipeg Jets 1.0, 2.0 WHA. And I just love seeing that stuff. It felt so real and exactly like what a Winnipegger would probably want to hear about. Themselves. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. And I was sitting up in my seats uh, and watching this go down. And, you know, I was really focusing on Teppo quite a bit because you're right. I mean, Solani is, you know, an all-time hockey legend. And, you know, I heard from Chris King and so many say that, you know, Teppo Newman is the most underrated player that they've ever played with or maybe ever seen. And, you know, going through some of the highlights, the moments, but also the man off the ice. Um, you know, it, it got me thinking back to just how privileged we were to see Teppo for so many years here in Winnipeg. And what a wonderful way to put him into the history books and into the rafters at Canada Life Centre, along with his Finnish country, countrymen. Yeah, I mean, I, I was joking with you before we started recording, right? Yeah, he has kind of Roger Federer vibes up there to me. Um, like with the just the class, the way he carries himself, the way that he speaks so articulately, um, certainly, you know, a difference when you're talking about perhaps the greatest to ever play this sport and, you know, one of the best uh, in the case. Right. I don't want to make that comparison. But in terms of how he carries himself, I see some similarities and I I really like. I really like the way that he and Temu both speak to the community of Winnipeg, the way that, you know, Slani talks about playing street hockey in River Heights or, um, like I say, Newman and talking about playing for the people. And I think that's part of why, but before they're even on the ice, the applause is just rapturous last night. I mean, Newman gets a standing ovation. Slani's on his way onto the ice and the crowd finds yet more decibels. It felt it's a little bit different when it's like a planned tribute in terms of applause versus somebody just scored an overtime goal. There's a difference in feeling of the eruption, but the decibels were the same to me. It felt like a playoff celebration to me. And I thought that was really cool and kind of an important connection of, of greatness in this. City. Yeah, it, it was just a wonderful vibe from the minute you walked in the building last night, certainly to when everyone was walking out pretty darn happy about the way the game turned out. I mean, let's talk about what happened on the ice. It sure seemed in the first 10 minutes like John Gibson was on one last night. I mean, he had uh, some good fortune, made some big saves. And then the Ducks sort of got their feet. And I thought 
you know, kind of carried the play for the second half of the first period. How did you see the game sort of change? And then Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley kind of take over later on in the second half. Yeah, very, very similar to, to what you just described. I mean, the Jets started on a 5-1 shots run, you know, early in the first period. It was about 10 minutes in, just like you say, roughly when it turned. But even at that point, despite being the better team, despite creating the better chances, there had already been a couple of freebie giveaways at, uh, at the Ducks blue line. Um, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I think everybody saw him hit that post, could have made it one nothing early. But that was just moments after a kind of a careless spin pass at the at the Ducks blue line led to a chance for the Ducks going the other way. I think it was Dylan Sandberg who tracked back and covered that off. So that was a great play by Sandberg. There were just moments of casual at the offensive blue line, even when Winnipeg was controlling things and they were the better team through 10 minutes. As it went on, there was less of that Winnipeg's all over the Ducks zone. And some of those offensive blue line giveaways continued, continued, continued. It took kind of until maybe the maybe halfway through the second period or so before Winnipeg really started leaning back on the Ducks and you could see there's a different class of team. And even then, it took Kyle Connor and Kyle Connor and Kyle Connor to seal the win very late in the game. You know, the goal that Kyle Connor scored to get on the board and to even the game up right now was... Um, I mean, it was a goal scorer's goal, and he talked a little bit about getting closer to the net. I remember him doing this last year when he sort of started getting on his tear, realizing when he was playing with Pierre-Luc Dubois that if you get closer to the blue paint, that puck is going to be in and around, and you might find opportunities to do it. The first goal was not your stereotypical Kyle Connor highlight reel goal, sort of threaded the needle. And like we've been talking about, um, it's, it's like the ketchup bottle analogy. You just need to get a little bit out, and then it was going to come out. And uh, man, was he flying! And uh, he could was really feeling it. And of course, then you got hats on the ice, and uh, the Jets get a big two points. Yeah, he could have had four, maybe five. Like there, there were chances even after. And I agree with you. Is you know he's created chances while he wasn't scoring, but after that first one went in, it was a different level of enthusiasm. He was buzzing. There's just. Uh, uh, just so much dynamism, I would say, to, to the way that he was playing. And we, we've we talked about this before, and it's almost a joke, right? He can play in the wake of Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? He, you know, it's like a speed shield on the highway. Dubois going 120, well, he can go 115, nobody minds. That, that, that sort of situation, I don't know if that analogy made sense. But there is space behind Pierre-Luc Dubois, and that first goal that he scored was exactly that, because Dubois was all over John Gibson and... And, uh, and the Anaheim Ducks goal, he was walking away at these rebounds. Puck goes behind Dubois, and Dubois has the presence of mind to get out of the way a little bit or at least back off the crease so there's no goaltender interference. Connor swoops in, shelves it, finishes it perfectly. And I think that there's, Huss, I think there's a mental toughness required for these guys because Connor's not a big dude. For him to keep going to that high-traffic danger area for him to keep cutting into soft ice, looking for those one-time passes, to do that over and over again. These are things that happen off the puck that give goal scorers a chance to be great goal scorers because there are other great shooters. One of the things that differentiates Connor is how he can find the right spots to shoot and score from. But he wasn't getting paid for a while, right? He was going and he was doing some of that stuff and he was missing, he was getting robbed, he was misfiring, all this sort of stuff. And I think that it takes some resilience to keep doing the thing over and over and over again until you get paid. And what a spectacular way to get paid for it. Three goals in a 3-2 win. 
Well, the, uh, um, you know, speaking of that line, um, got to get your thoughts on what we heard from Rick Bonus yesterday on Nikolai Ehlers, which did not sound very optimistic for the situation with, um, you know, the Jets uh, star winger. If Nikolai Ehlers is out, Mason Appleton's gone right now. We saw Sam Gagne, and I thought he looked quite great. I'm not sure whether that, you know, we will see Gagne there on a regular basis. But, um, you know, what do you make of this is long term? Um, how do the Jets handle not having Ehlers? Although, I mean, so far so good when you look at the standings. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big challenge that the Jets are more or less answering, you know, well. You, you would want Nick Ehlers' play driving ability and his speed on that line. You don't have it, so you're sort of making do first with Mason Appleton, who um, probably didn't have the offensive impact that you'd want for a little while. Then he had a really big game, and then you know a couple games later he's hurt. That's it's quite unfortunate, just a freak play too. So you don't you don't like that. And now Winnipeg's scrambling, and you know I do get the sense that Ehlers is a little bit long term. I I, I wonder about that. I, I don't think he's moments from playing, and if they have surgery or, or what have you, like I don't. I don't think that this is a guy who's about to play by any stretch. So now it's troubleshooting mode. And Sam Gagne has the offensive mentality, has the has that skill set, has the hands, he can see the seams. I mean, the passes he was making last night, big part of Kyle Connor's success, um, clearly on that goal too. I mean, it was a beautiful backhand pass from behind the net that, that set Connor. I think it was his second goal up. And... Um, like what he can bring, but he's not what you would call a play driver. The fact that Sam Gagne is on the ice doesn't guarantee that you're playing in the offensive zone. He's just good when you get there. And so now you see bonus. He's sort of scrambling at the end of a couple of, uh, of, of the first and second period, I think. And in some key leverage moments, it wasn't Gagne out there with Shifley and Connor. It was Adam Lowry. And that takes, it's sort of as if you, you know what you're getting from Connor and Shifley. And then depending on the context, you fit in the third piece depending on what you need. And, you know, Sam Gagne is the go-to, but in this high leverage moment where you absolutely need to win the faceoff, at the end of the first period, it was an offensive zone draw. They were looking to get some momentum. Lowry comes out. And I think that Winnipeg isn't an incredibly deep team, but it's a lot deeper when Adam Lowry is having a start to the season than he that he's had so far. He's able to sort of make do in this way. Uh, we'll see how well it goes because, you know, a lot of guys playing above their spot in, in an idealized lineup. But so far, so good. And some good coaching on that, too, I think. Well, uh, I mean, this goes back to conversations we've had all summer talking about the blue line, which has been relatively healthy. Touchwood, I know Dylan DeMello missed last night. But now that Barron's out and Appleton's out and potentially a longer stay without Ehlers in the lineup, might this be what finally pushes Kevin Sheveldayoff to make some sort of a move involving a defenseman to open up a spot, but also get some reinforcements for a depleted forward group. I mean, it, it feels like the the thing. It feels like the play. You have you have too much, uh, or you cha- you trade it for wood, whatever the... She- I'm, I'm trying to settlers of Catan reference. I don't know what the overlap <laughs> yeah, is. I think you're right there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so it, it seems like one of those situations and every day, you know, you look at, you know, national TV and, you know, TSN and Sportsnet and what have you, and some team needs a defenseman that those needs exist. So you would think Winnipeg's in as much of a position of strength as it's ever been. Um, I know that Rick bonus was sort of buying himself time yesterday about Ville Hainala when he said, 
Um, you know, he's a perfect player for the future of this game. We need him to have some time to develop. We're waiting for the moment at the AHL level where the coaches tell us he's too good for that league and he can't he can't stay here anymore. Well, I think past Billy Hanala AHL coaches have said that about him and said and and have pushed for for him to be an NHL player in the past. So at some point you you expect to see it. I think at the end of the day though, Hus, I if if I'm just reading Kevin Chevalier's track record. He might enjoy the fact that he's in a position of strength here, may enjoy the fact he's got so many veterans. You don't have to do anything with Hanala as long as you can keep him happy enough to stick for when the opportunity eventually does come. And honestly, some of the veterans that you might imagine have moving, Nate Schmidt, I mean, not a $5.95 million worth of value, but my goodness, he's he's been playing well this season. Brendan Dillon's been playing well this season. A lot of the places that you might typically go for hey, you know, there's some excess here, um, you know, are big parts of, of what's holding Winnipeg together right now, I think. What have you thought about Sandberg now that he's uh, played a few games in a row? I mean, some chaos and some very goodness, I think. Um, he was made to deal with a few other players' mistakes last night and track back, and there's that first shift. I think it was his first shift where I mentioned the Dubois giveaway. Now Sandberg's got to track back and cover off a one-on-one rush. He does that very well. There was a play, I think it was in the second, nope, the, it was the first or third period. I'm not, I can't remember. I just know where it happened, where Josh Morrissey fired a puck into his skates, um, early third, uh, fired a puck into Sandberg's skates at the offensive blue line. It bounces into the neutral zone and through no fault of Sandberg's zone. Now he's defending a rush again. Well, he tracks back and he makes that happen. So he's won a lot of these difficult, high leverage battles, I think, in important areas of the ice. And then there's also been moments where, you know, the puck management or you know, there's been a giveaway, there's been a puck not handled as well as you would like. So overall, I'm pleased. I think this is, you know, as essentially your sixth defenseman, the youngest one on the on the regular playing roster, I think he's he's doing well. And, uh, you know, especially in those scramble moments, he's, he's done well as well. Um, and there's uh, there's room for him to continue to grow. Marana Tesh is with us from The Athletic here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You mentioned Brandon Dillon. He and Nate Schmidt have almost been a revelation. I mean, the way that they've played. But there's a lot more to it. It's the systems. It's the buy-in of the forwards. And I have to tell you, I mean, I always enjoy your work. But the sit-down you had in The Athletic with Brandon Dillon was such an interesting insight into this team, what they've been building, how far they've come right now. I mean, uh, maybe give people a bit of a, a, a rundown of uh, uh, just a conversation overall with Dylan and what you got from him, um, from a team that obviously is enjoying the success so far, but knows there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. Huss. Thank you. And Brendan Dylan is honestly, he's a treat to talk to. He's an absolute treat to talk to about hockey. He can talk about the pros, the cons, the hows, the whys, so we covered a lot of ground in, in a one-on-one that's up at the site, and, um, and I'm glad you read it. We talk about everything from the off-ice stuff. You know, Blake Wheeler's response to the loss of captaincy, Dylan says that can go two ways. You can be grumpy and you can be a pain about it, or you can find other ways to contribute to the team. And he gives a couple of examples in the piece where Wheeler is really doing a good job of, of contributing to the team, even through a difficult situation. Um, he talks about Mark Shifley, who I noticed at the practice right before I talked to him, Shifley was playing little skating games with Jansen Harkins. He was teeing up Saku Manalainen for, uh, for shots. 
And it, that's little cultural stuff that it used to be. You just see Connor Shifley and Wheeler hang out in one corner of the ice. And now there's such an integration there. And I think Shifley's a big part of that. I think Shifley is an inclusive guy based, based on the observations that you can make through practice anyway. And well, Brendan Dillon talks about that. He talks about the impact that has on every last player from the top to the bottom of the lineup and all of the different things Winnipeg is doing to make sure that whether you're the 14th forward, 7th defenseman, et cetera, you feel needed, you feel important, um, and the communication that goes into that. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there, and it's because Dylan is, uh, did such a good job of opening up about it. Well, it, it, you know, it, it was fascinating in that so many of the things that we are seeing, and I think everyone was hoping to happen, are being practiced on a daily basis by this club. And that that bit about having every single person in the room feeling that they are a part of it, feeling that they are a valued member of the team, have a say, have a voice, and have a role to play, um, is sort of coming to fruition maybe better than anyone could have imagined this early in the season with a brand new head coach. Oh, who, by the way, missed eight of the first 10 games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you're looking for reasons why Winnipeg could be even better, you might point to that, right? I mean, bonuses absence for, uh, for stretches of, of Winnipeg season. Um, you know, you'd counter that with, well, Hellebuck had those few amazing games. You, you do all that math or what have you, but there are, there is that, the, there's a, a commenter at the site called it the bonusance, you know, the Renaissance <laughs> bonus form. And I like that so much. Um, I might use that, like the bonusance. And I think that um, I think that that's real. It's it's so interesting to me because, you know, culturally and team building, like in past lives, you know, several years ago, it was one of my jobs was to build a team of staff at the University of Manitoba or what have you. And you look at all the different things that go into team building, all the roles people play, how to make people feel important and all that sort of stuff. And there's a sense that the 101, the intro version of that, was kind of missing from the Winnipeg Jets in the last little while. You got the sense they desperately needed to, to address that and fix that. And you wondered, like, gosh, that, that, gosh, gracious, that's, that's such a hard thing to do, a cultural change. And it seems as though they're doing all of the things. When Bonus says something's going to happen, it happens. When he, you know, addresses something culturally, when he calls out a player, well, he's already talked to that player and they've addressed something. And it seems like those little things are slowly lifting the ceiling of, of what the Winnipeg Jets can be. You know, I, I think back to something that Rick Bonus said, uh, you know, on bad teams, no one's leading. And on good teams, the coaches and leading, but on great teams, the players are leading. And I'm not sure whether it has anything to do with the fact that Bones wasn't on the bench and wasn't around the team for eight of the first 10 games. But man, it comes out loud and clear in your conversation with Brendan Dillon that the players right now are leading the way. Rick Bonus is the leader of men, and he's given sort of the walking orders, but it's clear, game time, practice time, off the ice, there's a number of guys that are stepping up, doing everything they can to move on from last season, and uh, so far, so good. When players set their own standards, they meet those standards more than when it's a coach that goes top down. I wholeheartedly believe that, and I think that that's one of the reasons why a Rick bonus type was always going to be important. A veteran who can build that buy-in, not by generating it himself, but getting the players setting the seeds or the situation or the context for the players to generate that themselves. And I just think the more that we reflect on this, the more it seems the bonus was exactly the right guy for that, because it seems to be a distinct strength 
And now the players are doing it themselves, just like you say. I agree with that. And I think there's a lot that Dylan says in that piece that supports that as well. Marat, before we go, uh, back at it tomorrow night, Hockey Night in Canada at Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins coming to town. They've had a real up-and-down season so far. And recently, albeit not last night, I mean, uh, far more losses than wins. Um, what do you make of the challenge for the Winnipeg Jets to keep this rolling on home ice against Sidney Crosby and Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do want to mention, you know, that there were times of puck management, chaos and carelessness last night in and amongst all of the good, right? There, there are signs that Winnipeg is not a perfect team by any stretch, right? And um, you saw Trevor Zegers punish them last night. Well, yeah. you know, Pittsburgh has Sidney Crosby and and so many more Malkin and, and, and company. And, um, you know, Jason Zucker's off to kind of an incredible start as well, offensively anyway. So there's a lot that Pittsburgh can do. There's a lot of greatness on that team that can, you know, at any moment take things over. And I think that that's just going to be another big test if Winnipeg is a good team, they beat good teams. That's it. That's all. And like they've shown that they're capable of it. Um, and if 10, 4, and 1, fourth best points percentage, but they've played fewer games than a lot of the other teams, well, if that's going to turn into actually being the fourth best ter- team in the NHL in terms of points, you take challenges just like that on Hockey Night in Canada, on home ice, and you find a way to win again. Marat, thanks so much for doing this. Looking forward to the game tomorrow. Enjoy the Grey Cup on Sunday and, of course, the World Cup. And I hope to be connecting with you next week in and around Canada, returning to uh, the big dance with that game against Belgium next week. Oh, yes, please. This is a great time for sports. Uh, I mean, enjoy enjoy that. What a what a time. And and uh, you know what? I don't cover the Blue Bombers, but go blue. So, like, let, let's, let's do this three times in a row on Sunday. Marat, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. And on YouTube. All right, great stuff with Marat. Jets back at it tomorrow against the Pittsburgh Penguins as the homestand continues. Oh, we will talk a little more Jets with Ken Weeb a little later on, but we are all in on the 109th Grey Cup and the latest on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in a huge night for the Blue and Gold last night. Ed Tate just about to join us from Regina at Bombers practice. Before that, though, I do want to thank our friends at Not Autocorp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. We all know, folks, that the the winter is here. Do you have your winter tires yet? If not, what the heck are you waiting for? Uh, The gang at Knot can help you out, not only with some great deals on winter tire specials, but they also have the MPI payment plan. Why not get safe winter tires now and pay later over at Knot Auto Corp? And listen, never mind getting new tires. You might be thinking about a new vehicle or upgrading your current vehicle and if you're thinking about that, before you do anything, pop down and talk to the experts at Knot. Check out the amazing vehicles on the lot. And if there's a particular maker model that you've got your heart set on, they'll find it, source it, get it here, and get you into it at the best possible price. Pop on down and see our friends at Knot Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at Knot.ca. Well, Grey Cup weekend is here, gang. If you're heading out to Regina... You want to make sure you've got your latest blue and gold, toques, scarfs, and more. Huge selection of bomber gear at Royal Sports right now. You can check out all their great Jets gear as well. And, of course, with the World Cup beginning next week, a massive selection, the biggest anywhere I've seen, of Canada jerseys, hoodies, scarfs, hats, and more to support Canada at the upcoming World Cup, which, of course, I'll be broadcasting from for the next couple of weeks, beginning on Monday. Technology willing. 
Um, pop down to Royal Sports. Get ready for the Grey Cup and World Cup today, 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, you can follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And, hey, guys, holidays right around the corner. Uh, how's the wardrobe looking? Uh, you might need to uh, up it. And if you've been waiting to do that, don't wait any longer. Get on down to F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Talk to Andrew and his great staff and get that wardrobe back up to snuff. Custom suits beginning at just $400. Custom pants, shirts, and more. All men's clothing accessories is waiting for you at great prices over at F Apparel. And fellas, if you're involved in a wedding or a wedding party next summer, do not wait. Get the guys down to F. If you book the wedding party and get the guys measured up by the end of November, everyone in your wedding party is going to get a free shirt and 10% off your purchase savings of up to $130 per person. Pop down and see them. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street. You can check out everything they've got going and make an appointment online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. All right. Let's talk Bombers. Let's talk Grey Cup. Ed Tate, our guy in Regina, joins us now from Bombers practice as the uh, blue and gold just about to hit the field. Eddie, what's up? Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, busy, busy for you and the gang, huh? Good. I'm, I'm busy. You were asking how busy I am. It's good to be busy. It's good to be busy because the team you cover is in the Grey Cup, right? Well, and uh, last night was busy because uh, obviously when you go 15 and three and you win back-to-back championships, everyone takes notice of it. You've got some big-time players and coaches up for awards. Four for four yesterday at the Player Awards. Um, I'm not going to say this is a surprise. I mean, I think the work speaks for itself, but what another great night for the organization before the big day on Sunday. Yeah, it was sort of a similar story last year too with uh... – Zach and, and Stanley and Mike all winning, but also Adam Big Hill being the, the top defensive player. So, you know, it's it's always special when one player gets or one person gets recognized. But when you got four guys going up there, one after the other after the other, it's it's pretty impressive. It's a salute to the to the organization. Like you said, fifteen and three kind of speaks volumes on a night like that. Well, I just want to touch on the individual awards quickly before we get to the game and practice right now. Um, we'll start off with the most outstanding player. Zach Caleros, another brilliant season, um, you know, a winning percentage that uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but pretty much unmatched. I mean, what he's done over the course of the last three seasons is historic and uh, a really, really cool acceptance speech about how appreciative he is to be a part of this community, to be a part of the Winnipeg Blue Bomber organization and to be able to go out to battle with the guys in that locker room every week. Yeah, it, uh, the speech really did represent Zach, I think. You know, it's 34-2. and two. I'm not good at the winning percentage math there, Huss, but I, I know that's pretty good, 34 good. wins in 36 games. <laughs> so I thought his speech was good. He, you know, he's the kind of guy that hates to be up in, in front of the camera, doesn't like being uh, singled out like that, but when the spotlight is uh, put on him, he handles things like that very well. And I thought it was a pretty classy speech because the first thing you wanted to do was make sure a bunch of other people got credit. Uh, Stanley Bryant does it again. Uh, another most outstanding lineman award in the Canadian Football League. I mean, we always talk about Chris Walby and the level of greatness that he established all those years ago. But I mean, when we're talking about the best to ever do it in the Canadian Football League, Stanley Bryant's in that conversation, isn't he? Absolutely. I think part of the appeal for 
Chris Walby is that he's a Winnipeg guy from the North End, right? And, and you know, one of the funniest human beings on the planet. So it was always easy to, to root for him. And then his credentials backed it up. But I think what Stanley has done is put himself right in the conversation. His, his credentials are every bit as good. He's won this award four times now. No player has won it um, more than twice. Um, and he just keeps getting it done. You know, there's been lots of speculation about whether he would continue to play. And he answered that sort of last night saying, still feel good. The body feels good. And obviously he's still playing at a high level. So um, it will be interesting to see, uh, you know, if he's, I, I think he's back next year, but because uh, he still wants to play and he's still so good. His kid, Quinton, was one of the stars of the show last night. He brought him up on stage for his acceptance speech, and then he came back into the media room too, and he's just a four years old, wide-eyed, looking around at everything, and I think a lot of people were just kind of giggling at seeing the little kid up there with as much joy in his face as Stanley. I, I often speak about the acquisition and the signing of Andrew Harris as one of, if not the most impactful signing, maybe in Canadian Football League history with what Harris did on the field, creating a winning culture. Um, but when we talk about what the Bombers have accomplished right now and what they hope to continue to do on Sunday, uh, Stanley Bryant right up there with, um, you know, the most impactful additions to this roster um, ever for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, considering what he's done. Remember, before 2015, when he came to Winnipeg, uh, you know, covering the team, the offensive line was a revolving door. You know, you'd be wary of trying to write a story on a guy because he might be gone, you know, back then for me before the paper would come out, right? Because they were just changing pieces so long, so often. And then for them to, to sign Stanley Bryan in 2015, you know, as a left tackle, that, that was an important piece at the time. But here we are. All these years later, he's won all these awards, all with the Bombers. He's a perennial all-star. And the, the same thing is that the offensive line has been solidified around him, right? You've got Jamarcus Hardrick at the other tackle, made the trade for Pat Newfeld. He's played a ton of games, you know, and they've drafted so well in the middle. But Stanley's been probably the most constant uh, fixture on that line. And it, it just goes to, uh, you know, he's uh, the left tackle too, which is such an important position. and. You're right, Huss, that, that signing, you know, in, in the terms of great acquisitions, that's right up there with the Caleros mm -hmm. trade, with bringing in Andrew Harris, with bringing in Justin Medlock, with uh, Nick Dembski. Well, you know, you can go back to, to to some of the best moves this franchise has ever made, and, and Stanley Bryant's uh, signing as a free agent in 2015 would probably be in the top five. Uh, there was absolutely no suspense, Ed, that Dalton Schoen was the rookie of the year, although... The fact that he wasn't unanimously anointed the Rookie of the Year, maybe one of the most outrageous omissions. I'm not sure what was behind that, but um, tell us a little bit about uh, Dalton's night, how he uh, accepted the award, and, I mean, just big picture, how special of a rookie season he's authored here with the team on the verge of another championship. Well, the numbers speak to themselves, right? For a, a rookie receiver to lead the league in – receiving yardage and tied for the lead in touchdowns with 16 says something, right? Cause that doesn't happen. It's so hard for a guy to come up from the States and just learn the game uh, first. Uh, but then to have that much of an impact, it, it says something. I, I speak, spoke to him for a big feature that we did. That's on, on the site today. I spoke to his dad too. Um, when he signed with Winnipeg in April, there were seven receivers on the roster. So him and his dad are thinking, well, 
you know, there's going to be five starters, maybe keep another guy, dress another guy, maybe a couple guys in the practice rosters. And then by the time training camp starts, there's over 20 receivers on the roster. So you think of what he had to overcome to, to get to that point, just to get on the field, just to make the team and then to be a starter. And then right away, uh, instant chemistry with, with Zach Caleros and just a dynamic receiver. And it, it's a hell of a story. You know, if you go back and research his whole story, right from the very beginning with him being a walk-on at K-State uh, to what he's done now. It's it's uh, astonishing, really. Yeah, it, it's been uh, one of the great surprises of uh, this season. I mean, there was a lot of things that were expected, but um, Dalton Schoen coming out of nowhere to lead the league in receiving and be uh, what should have been the unanimous rookie of the year. Not sure we had that on the bingo card, but what a great season he has had. Um can't finish off the conversation before we get to the weekend without talking about Osh. Um, wins the Coach of the Year award again. And any Bomber fan that has not seen it, um, go to the Bomber uh, social media page and check out Mike O'Shea's acceptance speech. Um, you know, Ed, what did you think? I, I mean, it was, Osh is not often a guy that is, you know, very, he doesn't talk very long. He tries to, you know, uh, you know, not take credit. He, defers to his team it was maybe the most quintessential Mike O'Shea speech except for the fact that it was as long and as thoughtful as it was in that he spent time literally thanking every single member of the team and organization that has helped him get to where he is and to where his team is on the verge of history you know it, it was remarkable when you think about it the guy that just hates those kind of moments, right? He, in a lot, a lot of ways, him and Zach Claros are the same. They don't want to be up on the stage. They don't want to have to talk about themselves. They don't want any attention on themselves. It's always team first. Um, and so for, for him to be as well-spoken as he was, it's, it just shows you there's so many layers to this guy that we probably don't know, right? He actually came in downstairs with a media lockup room is to do his post-award uh, ceremony. And you're supposed to come down with the trophy and, you know, pose with it for, for a couple of pictures and that kind of stuff. And uh, he forgot it. He left it upstairs in, in, the, in the room, I guess, with the rest of his family. And it, it, that's, that's kind of quintessential Mike Gaucher too, right? Uh, we'll, we'll find a place for the trophy. Uh, you, you know, like a lot of people would build a little shrine in their house and have spotlights on the trophy and everything. Mike, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it ends up on a shelf in his garage. Well... Tell you what, the, uh, the 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 prize that everyone came for was another championship ring and bringing that Grey Cup home back to Winnipeg. Ed, you've been embedded with the club. And before we talk about this practice and looking ahead, tell us about what it's been like being around the team for the last few days. Certainly seems like it's been very businesslike. And uh, the fellas have been getting after to practice as well. You know, it's it's funny. It's it's the longest road trip of the year, right? Because it's the Great Cup, and you come here on Tuesday. But so much of what's happened feels familiar. It just seems like business as usual with this group. Um, they put their head down. They do the work. Um, it, it, there's no over excitement. There's no bragging. There's sort of a been here, done that feel with this group, and that's experience speaking. I think that's. Uh, you know, when you've been to a couple in a row already, and uh, I think that's a byproduct of it. You know, it's it's interesting. I was talking to a bunch of guys yesterday about three-peat, and nobody wants to go there because it's disrespecting the guys on the team that are chasing their first one. 
Um, and so the vibe is, yeah, it, you know, it's the same old thing. It's, it's a lunch, lunch pail and hard hat kind of approach to this week, even though there's so many more distractions, even though there's so many more demands on your time. This just feels like, a, you know, it could be a bomber game in Calgary in August for, for the way this team is approaching it right now. How different is that compared to the last two Grey Cups against Hamilton? I mean, the first time, you know, they're there, they hadn't won. It was a big, big deal. And then, of course, last year in Hamilton, you're going in, taking on the hometown team. I mean, I don't want to say it's been there, done that before, but, I mean, I think the experience of this team has prepared them to know exactly what they need to do every step of the way. And um, you've been there right in front of it, seeing it um, throughout uh, ever since you guys stepped off the plane on Tuesday night. Yeah, so 2019 was different, right? Because the team went from third place all the way to the Grey Cup. And so there was so much leading up to that. You had to win in Calgary. You had to win in the West Final. It became a blur by the time Grey Cup week came. And then last year was different too because it was uh, – you know, the COVID year and, and the team was isolated from so much. I and mean, that was just the end of a year, which everybody seemed to be in the bubble. Uh, this year, again, it, it does feel familiar and, and familiar. And they've got a lot of guys that have been here. And so nothing is new to them. And that's very relaxed, uh, a very, you know, again, workmanlike. But yesterday, for example, is a media car wash day. And so half there's a bunch of guys that get their names requested to do interviews and they go in and do interviews and the other guys are held in a back room to wait for their turn. There's a basketball hoop in there. Guys are lounging around laughing, laughing and having a good time. And, and that just says so much about this team's state of mind as we get close to Sunday. You've, uh, you've covered this team and this game for a long time. Um, have you ever seen a team that just seemingly is more suited to blocking out all of the noise and everything around it. Cause this team is even on the verge of history um, and literally focus on the planet hand, the next drill, the next spot on the to-do list. And of course the next game to go famously one and oh. Yeah. You're kind of breaking up a little bit at my end here, Huss, but I, I got the gist of your question. You know, we'll get Ed to, uh, we'll get Ed maybe to, uh, to, to, to pop out and then, We'll just give him a quick call. Maybe text him. Let him know that we're going to phone him, and we'll get that. Because Ed is at practice field right now, and the Bombers are yeah. just about to get on uh, on the field. Um, and the reports are that Zach Caleros will be a participant in practice, which, of course, is uh, music to the ears of Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans that uh, you know have been somewhat nervous knowing that they're, the MOP has not been in practice over the course of the last couple days. Listen, while we're doing that, if you're looking for a great spot to watch the game on Sunday, we've got the official Blue Bomber Grey Cup viewing party this Sunday at Boston Pizza Henderson. You can join the Bomber promo team, Buzz and Boomer, and win over $1,000 in Blue Bomber and Coors Light prize packs throughout the game. BP Happy Hour and Ice Cold Coors Light on special all day. Come early before the game starts at 5. The last two times BP has hosted this party, the Bombers have won. Help make it a three-peat. And of course, you can also watch the Grey Cup on big screens at a BP near you. Uh, enjoy beer specials, Happy Hour specials, or order the Boston Pizza game day meal with your favorite gourmet pizzas and mouthwatering BP, uh, BP wings online at Boston P 
Pizza.com. As I mentioned, we touched on with Ed. If you have not already listened to some of the speeches of the Bomber Award winners, in particular Coach Mike O'Shea, um, at the Bomber Twitter account, has the videos up right now. Go and check them out. Um, it's just uh, an amazing, amazing speech from a legendary leader of this football team and, um, you know, completely selfless in so much of what he has been uh, he has been doing. Let's see if we can get Eddie on the horn here. Hello. Eddie, Eddie, it's Huss. Thanks so much. We just figured we'd get you on the horn because uh, obviously we had a little bit of an issue there uh, hearing you. Yeah, um, sorry thanks. about that. No, no, listen. Thank you so much for taking the time. Let's move on to right now. Give us a little scene setter. Bombers out for their last full practice. Quarterback Zach Caleros participating. Fill us in on uh, what's happening this afternoon and how things are looking as the Bombers continue their preparations. Yeah, I mean, it's a cold day, and he's out there working with the number one offense. So I think it's time for people to, you know, back away from the panic button a little bit here. Um, You know, it's all hands on deck out here. It's cold as heck, but uh, he's given his all. This is the last full practice before tomorrow's walkthrough. So I think people can breathe a sigh of relief. I think the two days off were important for him just, you know, to get therapy or whatever he needed done, treatment, and, uh, you know, get his mind right for, for practicing today and then suiting up on Sunday. Well, that is um, what it's all about. One more game, uh, leave it all on the line, and then a great offseason to uh, feel better. Alcatura might be a secret weapon for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, one of the most respected in his role around the Canadian Football League and certainly helping out Zach. Um, Ed, when you look ahead to the game, um, I think we've seen the Bombers do things at such a high level all year long. We certainly know that they're capable of, in your opinion, looking at the Argos, who have been one of the, maybe the team that's given them the, the toughest games over the last couple of years. What's the keys to victory for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when we kick off on late Sunday at Mosaic? You know, there's all kinds of ways to analyze this, and that's what we do. We can break down every little statistic and, you know, analyze and uh, trend and that sort of thing. Um, but I saw Jamarcus Hardrick on the elevator today and I, he he sound, kind of summed it up really perfectly. He said, if we do what we do on Sunday, we're going to win. And I, I think there's a, a lot of truth in that, you know, um, I'll put it this way. You know, if you kind of rewind back through the last couple of great cup wins here, you know, last week's uh, Western final, there were some mistakes. There were a lot of points left on the field. You go back to the, overtime win in last year's great cup you know the bombers started off slow i had to rally and had that dramatic win in overtime you go back to the western final last year you know you had five turnovers in the first half six in total uh and then you go back to the 2019 great cup to me that's the last playoff a performance by winnipeg and it says something of this team's overall skill you can not be at your best in a playoff game and still get the win and so I'm expecting Winnipeg to get closer back to their to their A game. And I think maybe that's the layoff. Maybe that's from clinching first. You play some games at the end of the year that don't, don't matter and you get different personnel in there. You know, maybe you lose your sharpness a little bit. I think that sharpness will be, will be back on Sunday. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be as cold as I think certainly it is right now. I mean, you're expecting a daytime high of like minus one. So I'd imagine around 530 or for kickoff, you're probably looking a little bit less than that. And maybe it gets colder a little later on. I'm sure the Bombers would love for it to be as cold as possible. Um, But considering Mm. 
Like the, the elements, how impactful do you think that will be? And, and what do you expect from the crowd? We know the Bombers, uh, the Saskatchewan fans aren't too fond of the Bombers, especially with what they've been doing, beating up on the Riders for the last few seasons. Um, will we expect a pro-Bomber crowd with that many Bomber fans coming there? Or do you think it'll be relatively spit, split with the Winnipeg contingent supporting their team and everybody else going for the Argos? <laughs> That's a that's going to be really interesting to see what happens on Sunday with that because we're in enemy territory here, right? There's nobody here that cheers for the Blue Bombers, so uh, I know that a, a lot of Ryder fans that had tickets probably put theirs up for sale, and maybe a bunch of Bomber fans gobbled them up. You know, Blue Bomber fans travel really well, so I expect there to be a lot of blue in the crowd. It's weird because uh, last year the game was played in Hamilton's backyard, and so it was a very pro Ticat crowd. This is, you know, a quote-unquote neutral site game, but you could expect, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised, I'll put it this way, that if uh, the Argos are the fan favorite on Sunday, just because of where we are and the rivalry that pre-exists. So um, that will be very interesting to study. And then you, you mentioned the weather, Huss. You know, it's interesting because we all feed into this narrative that uh, Winnipeg would prefer this kind of conditions, right? Because you can pound it, you can control the line of scrimmage with their dominant O and D lines, but I think Winnipeg's got the ability. We've seen it all year to win some track meet type games too, right? To rely on your skill guys, Dembski and Ellingson and Sean and Wolitarski, all those guys. And if you have to air it out, you can do it that way too. So I think there's a lot of layers to this football team and a lot of different ways for it to, to get it done on Sunday. Well, I cannot wait for it. And I know uh, the Bomber Nation can't wait for it. I can't imagine how many people are listening to the program right now getting fired up for a great weekend in Regina, hopefully to finish the way the last two great cups have. And that is bringing that thing back to Winnipeg and finishing up. Uh, and, and if they're able to do this, where does this season, where would this season rank amongst the, uh, the greatest teams in bomber history? I think because if they get it done, because it would be a first for, for the team to win three in a row, you have to in a 15 and three season where they've set a record for, for wins in a season. I mean, you have to rank this up there as the greatest run in Blue Bomber history if they get it done on uh, on Sunday. And I know that the older fans will talk about four four great cups in five years from 58 to 62, but to do it in this day and age with the free agency now and the salary cap, if they could get it done on Sunday, I think this makes this group as special, if not more so, than, than any other group in Blue Bomber history. Hey, just before we go, Eddie, I mean, uh, the Grey Cup is just as much about the fans as it is about the two teams and everything that happens around. How's the vibe in Regina? Is it feeling Grey Cuppy? Are you seeing more and more blue uh, in and around the streets? Uh, or have you just been so damn busy with the awards and the team that hasn't really all uh, been in on it yet? We'll probably get a better feel for that uh, later today. Huss, I, you know, because of the Bombers are practicing, I didn't get over to touchdown Manitoba, which is always fun. I know a lot of fans are making their way here, but it is so cold. You know, I'm not sure if people are wearing their jerseys or not because they're all layered up. They probably have three or four jackets over their, their bomber jersey if they are sporting one. Ed, listen, good luck to you and the team. Thank you for everything this year. And uh, fingers crossed, our next visit on Winnipeg Sports Talk will be talking about uh, 
a big win on Sunday, and uh, we can really get into where this team figures in historically amongst the all-time CFL greats. But first things first, go 1-0 and this week. Thanks so much for doing this, and good luck to the fellas. I appreciate you having me on all season, Huss. Uh, thanks a lot. It's 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 always fun uh, chatting with you. I apologize for the uh, the technical issues today. Always seems to happen with me, but uh, and have fun in Qatar, right? That's going to be special too. You bet. Let's win the Grey Cup and then have fun at the at uh, the World Cup. Uh, I cannot wait for it. Ed, have a great weekend. Good luck. Thanks for doing this, and uh, the pleasure is always ours. Anytime you jump on WST. Right on, partner. See you later. Good stuff. There is Eddie Tate live from Regina, bouncing around a little bit from video to audio, but uh, you do what you got to do to get the great Ed Tate on the program with uh, the latest from Bomber Practice. Team just getting on the field right now. And yes, Zach Caleros participating in practice after winning the most outstanding player award in the Canadian Football League again last night, along with Rookie of the Year Dalton Schoen, along with Stanley Bryant, four-time Most Outstanding Lineman, and of course, Mike O'Shea, back-to-back Coach of the Year, and just a great speech from the coach that every Bomber fan should see. Hey, when we're talking Bombers, we're doing it courtesy of our friends at Princess Auto, who brought you the best pregame atmosphere in the Canadian Football League all year long at the Princess Auto tailgate zone. Cannot wait to get back there next year. And of course, Princess Auto, great sponsors of ours, and of course, curling across the country. And also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. The Culligan experts have been with us for, well, really pretty much since the start. And uh, they've been with Manitobans, helping them on all of their water products and needs for over 65 years in business as a family-owned operation. Uh, They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, and also citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. You can give the Cullion experts a call at 204-694-5180 for all your water needs. Pop down and see them in person. It's 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Or check out what they can do for you, your home, your family, or your business online at drinkculligan.com. And hey, folks, with the Grey Cup here, you're going to want to be stocked up on all the good stuff. And of course, when you're thinking about Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian club, synonymous with the Bombers as the official spirit of the Bombers and what many Bomber fans have been enjoying all year long at IG Field. Not just Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian club, but the new CC and Ginger available in cans. If you're having a Grey Cup party, make sure to have that option as well for you and your guests. Pop by your local beer store and pick up CC and Ginger in cans or get it along with all the great Canadian club products at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart store. All right, we're going to get back to Regina and hook up with Ken Weeb. And I think because of the Wi-Fi situation at the stadium, I think we're going to get Ken on the horn. Uh, and we'll do that in just a minute. He'll bring on and then Mike Hogan on the Argos a, a little bit later on. Hello, is this the direct line to Weeb's world? Ken Weeb of Sportsnet. Weber, what's up? Uh, good afternoon, Andrew. Nice to speak with you. Um, greetings from lovely Regina. 
uh, where the ankle watch is in full effect. Uh, we have some, some minor movement. I'm guessing Ed, Eddie uh, got you up to speed, so you will not need the play-by-play for me uh, on that front, I'm guessing, but uh, well, I'll actually, a quick hit anyway. Actually, Ken, we're certainly here for the play-by-play because we sort of talked okay. with Ed in a back room as we led into it. We knew that Zach was going to be in practice, sure. but uh, have you uh, have you set your eyes on number eight, and uh, what can you tell us? How's he looking? What's going on out there? Yeah, well, Andrew, I'm, uh, he is out there. Uh, there was a little bit of light jogging, but uh, as you can imagine, there's uh, not, not a ton of uh, you know work out of the, out of the pocket. Uh, Baum has worked on a lot of uh, score zone, which uh, Caleros revealed yesterday during his session. Uh, but most of the score zone from the two-yard line and, and in was uh, taken care of by uh, Mr. Fukop. So um, that seems to be moving fine. I would, you know, if, if the Zapruder film, as you mentioned earlier this week, is really on, I would say maybe slightly gingerly, but uh, that is to be expected given the nature of the injury. Uh, I think we've graduated now, Huss, from uh, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that that Kolaros will be behind center to start the game on Sunday. Uh, I think the bigger question uh, will probably turn to, will he be behind center to finish the game? Uh, but I definitely do think that he's starting. He's put all that to rest. But, uh, I mean, until we see what happens in the game, I mean, we won't know what extent the ankle will or will not hinder him. But uh, he is doing a little bit of drop right now. Uh, a little bit of a drop back and passing amongst the quarterbacks and seems to be moving fine. And like I said, I mean, he's obviously going to be very cautious here uh, given the nature of the circumstances, but uh, I mean, we know what kind of competitor Zach is. If he can be out there, he'll be out there. I, I definitely expect him to be out there. Uh, in terms of if it limits him at all, that we won't know until game time. Uh, do we expect Tiago's to probably maybe bring a little bit more pressure? Uh, I mean, that remains to be seen, but uh I think Bomber fans can breathe a little bit easier uh, knowing that Caleros, you know, wasn't just saying he would be on the field today to sort of give it the old, uh, you know, play it out over the course of the week and maybe keep your opponent guessing, but that the fact that he actually got out on the field today and is moving around, looks pretty limber, uh, all those things would get, would allow some, or most Bomber fans to at least breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief, I would imagine. Yeah, no doubt about that. We were how the days uh, like leading up to now been uh, so far in Regina. Um, I was just talking to Ed, and he's been so busy in and around the club. Uh, have you been getting out uh, your old stomping grounds? Is it feeling like Grey Cup right now? And how much blues on the streets? Uh, definite buzz, Huss. Uh, I have not been uh, around town much either, having covered the Jets game remotely yesterday, and then doing our show, uh, and I only finished writing about one o'clock. So. Uh, did not uh, did, did not uh, make my way out of the hotel room after that time, but uh, you can definitely get the feel. There's uh, there's the uh, the Occupy Regina has definitely been happening. Uh, there's there's definitely the, the shade of blue is is starting to be a little bit more prevalent. Which again, yes, having spent four years here, it would look a little bit strange around town for it to be painted blue instead of green. But uh, I would say that uh, the build towards Sunday is definitely on, and, and I would imagine that uh, a bunch of folks that if they if they aren't already out on the old number one would certainly be heading out there soon. Uh, should be a great atmosphere. We know it's a great stadium, and you know it should be just a fantastic game. Austin. I mean, that it, it's a you know, really great matchup, and uh, I think most players are probably to the point in the week where they would love to get the game. We know the coaches are to the point where they'd love to get the game played. Uh, but there's still those final preparations to uh, sort through. 
have you come across Andrew Harris this week? Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, yesterday, I, I just checked out of the Delta where the Argos were staying uh, by happenstance, but uh, spending the rest of the weekend uh, with uh, one of my closest uh, college friends here. So I will not be on uh, Harris watch. I definitely have my eyes open for Andrew. He has definitely had the uh, hype machine uh, rolling at maximum volume this week. Uh, you know, everything from hinting, uh, hinting that it could be his last game on Sunday to, you know, applauding the Bombers for what they built, but also telling Jeff Hamilton uh, that he'd like to be part of tearing it down. So, um, you know, he's definitely been uh, fired right up and ready to roll. And I would expect number 33 to, uh, to be running quite ferociously against his former teammates on Sunday. I mean, what does that mean? Does it mean he can be the top Canadian in the game as he has been before? Uh, he's been the best player in the Great Cup before. Uh, it's interesting. I wonder in the, you know, when it comes to the kind of bulldozer style of running that, that Andrew uh, sort of thrives at, is it an advantage for the running back or is it an advantage for uh, the D line, the linebackers, and the you know the second tier, the guys that are going to be you know, even the, you know the secondary that will have to be involved in tackling him. I mean, uh, this is sort of like the goalie versus the sniper uh, sort of situation. I'm not sure who has the advantage, quite frankly. And there too, we may not know until Sunday. But what we do know, us both sides will be ready for one another. They're quite familiar, and uh, there's a lot of competitive people on both sides. So I expect that to be one of the you know, great great matchups to be following uh, on Sunday evening. Listen, just before we get to the pucks, Kenny, I mean, you're there, you're following the bombers. I mean, you've been getting ready to cover this for Sportsnet on the weekend. Um, what do you expect on Sunday? And uh, from a bomber perspective, how do you, what do you feel the keys to um, getting that W going one and oh, and bringing that cup back to the peg? Yeah. I mean, so many keys. I mean, everything from the quarterback situation. And I, I even wrote this in my column for uh, sports.ca uh, last night. I mean, uh, and I know you talked about it a little bit with uh, DT earlier in the week. I mean, Huss, I mean, Claros was just, he was fine on, uh, on Sunday, no doubt about it, but he wasn't as sharp as we're used to seeing. He was not at the MOP level. I mean, 14 of 20 for 178, that defines that line, but, Let's not forget, I mean, aside from the underthrown interception in the end zone, there were two clear drops that should have or could have at least been interceptions by the Lions. I mean, that could have skewed the, you know, the stat line even further. Uh, it was reminiscent of the game with the Riders, as, as you talked about. I mean, there weren't as many turnovers, but um, Zach wasn't as sharp. So I think that already would have made him hyper-focused for today, or for, for Sunday. And the other part of that, I mean, when, you're, when your quarterback is not on, you need guys like Brady over there to step up. You need your old line to be dominant. And you need the defense to make the stops when necessary. And that's exactly what the formula for the Bombers last weekend against the Lions. Uh, can they do the same thing against the Argos? I mean, they're definitely going to be playing the underdog card. They have been all week. Um, I think the Argos are, are definitely the underdog, but... I don't think they're necessarily a, you know, a distinct underdog, and I don't think this is going to be a blow. I think it's a good matchup. Argos play the Bombers tough. Us. You, you know this. I mean, outside of a missed kick by Beattie, I mean, man, they could have won that other game too. So uh, I think the Bombers are, are going to win on Sunday, but uh, they're going to have to be a lot sharper than they were in the West Final. It would be my personal opinion. I just think that they have more to give, and I expect them – uh, I mean, listen to the way that Mike O'Shea talked about it, all the strange things that, that went into the game. And those are things with the Bombers. When they don't have their best, they still find a way to get the job done. 
I just think I expect them to be much crisper this week, even though we know their opponent is going to be ready for them. I expect them to be very crisp. I don't think ball protection will be an issue. Uh, I think they're probably going to create more turnovers than they have. But having said all that, I mean, the Argos have the same plan. So, you know, who can execute that plan will, will go obviously go a long way. Uh, and, you know, literally, too, I mean, special teams. I mean, the Bombers had, obviously, they had the touchdown from uh, Janeiro and Grant. But, uh, I mean, I don't think they want to start with uh, with, a, with a botched uh, return that went, that, made, that led to a touchdown either. So, uh, and again, too, the, the strange, possibly, <laughs> we were talking to some of our American friends, and we told them uh, there's a misconduct that was returned for, for two points. They'd be kind of looking at us and saying, pardon? <laughs> but like, that was part of leaving the door open uh, for the Lions in that game and, and allowing it to be a one-score game. Uh, so I, mean, I, I think it's a fascinating matchup. Uh, I, I do project the Bombers to win their third. Uh, you know, the, uh, the election desk is predicting that, but they're certainly not calling it quite yet. Too, so... I think the other thing too, um, Nick Dempsey started his career with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I think that he's consistently shown to be an absolute game breaker. Uh, he can beat you with his legs, he can beat you with his hands, he can beat you with his route running, he can beat you with his blocking. Um, I expect that Nick Dempsey is going to be an absolute force on Sunday. And, you know, I know last week, uh, Hammer dropped uh, Brady Oliveira quite astutely. Uh, into the uh, you know into that X factor uh, for me the X factor is Nick Dembski. Uh, I expect him to have a massive game. I can remember interviewing him when he was still with the Riders at one of the Labor Day games, and uh, I expect him to be dominant, and not just because he's going up against one of his closest friends from Old Park. Yeah, yeah I mean the stories write themselves for this one, and uh, cannot wait for the game and. Everyone that's listening to this on the way out to Regina, have an amazing weekend. Be loud out there in Mosaic on uh, on Sunday. And hopefully we're talking about a three-peat next weekend and a true CFL current dynasty on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Weber, while we're here, uh, missed you last night at the rink. I'm sure you saw it on TV, but uh, what a special night for Winnipeg hockey fans and the organization. And, of course, Tamu Solani and the great Teppo Newman. Oh, just awesome stuff, Huts, uh, for sure. I mean, I'm fired up to be back here, but uh, it was one thing that I, you know, didn't really uh, relish missing out on. I mean, uh, those two guys are absolute legends from the 1.0 era, and uh, as I shared on the show, I mean, had some, you know, just fun interactions with, with both of them over the years, including, you know, Teppo Newman and taking Tim Campbell and I on a guided tour of the Finnish Hockey Hall of Fame in his hometown of uh, Tampa where both he and his father are in the, in the hall of fame. And uh, the part that I forgot to share is that it was an absolute classic moment. I said, the, the museum was closed. It was a Monday. And in Finland, that means they're closed. And here you have Temple Newman and this former NHLer who the woman who he's talking to, I don't think that she knows it's Temple Newman and, or that he is in the hall of fame, but he's speaking in Finnish to her and he's such a gentleman and, and a positive person. He, he talks her into letting us in and then gives us this personalized guided tour. Uh, and then it's just a cool moment to see him looking at his father's plaque as well. I mean, that was just an awesome, awesome moment. And, and then too, I mean, the catch-up ball moment with, with Solani leading into the line a hat trick at the Global Series matchup was, was fantastic. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, we've talked about this before, us, you and I, I mean, the Solani return game, game was one of the most memorable games I've, I've ever witnessed. Uh, I mean, again, the playoff games had a different level of uh, intensity, of course, given what was at stake, but 
that was one of the coolest games that I've ever gone to in, in any sport at any level. Um, so it was great to see the reaction. And I, I love the moment where where team grabs Teppo's, Teppo's hand and raises it, uh, and the fans just got went absolutely wild. I mean, that was a cool moment. And there too, I mean, like I was saying, I'm not trying to reference every story that I wrote yesterday, but as I led my story, I mean, the only thing missing was the was the gun in the air, the glove in the air, and machine gun salute. And the fact that Kyle Connor, like one of the most reserved players in the NHL, was actually considering doing it. I mean, I, I wish he had done it. I mean, it's like I said, I told you this before. I, I wish that he would wear a KFC shirt when he goes to the podium to speak sometimes, especially after a hat trick. Uh, and I think that would have been just a magical moment if he had actually gone out there and done the celebration. I mean, that would have been just absolutely dynamite. Uh, although, I mean, still, just an incredible performance. Uh, for Kyle Connor, who, I mean, make no mistake, I mean, he had been struggling, struggling to put the puck in the net, uh, but he had three absolute goal scorer, sniper type of goals that he delivered. And, you know, the third one obviously being the most important one because it resulted in the two points at the end of the day. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the timing of that goal, go ahead goal in the last minute. I mean, if he had thrown the glove up and shot it down, it would have been an absolutely all time moment. Um, but of course, the fact that, the sniper emerged and finally got a little bit of puck luck and got a few to go in was huge for the the team, huge for Kyle individually, and obviously a great part of last night's game overall. Um, what did you think of the game, Ken? I mean, as far as the way the Jets played, hung in there. I, I mean, I liked their start. I thought John Gibson was uh, excellent early on in the game. Had a little bit of puck luck as well with Dubois missing that open net. But then the Ducks really acquitted themselves quite well until really Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley took over that game in the second half. Yeah, no doubt. So it was a bit of a strange game. The Jets, it's funny. We were always talking about the starts. And their start actually was okay. Uh, it just, they didn't sustain it. And then all of a sudden the Ducks started to take it to them and they, they got quite physical and they were getting to the car and held its crease. And, you know, they get the one goal on the delayed penalty call and then things kind of turned, as you mentioned. But then the Bombers got it kind of spun back around. Uh, for me, it was twofold. Obviously, the Dubois-John penalties were, were important uh, and the power play that resulted. But uh, the other part to me, they had one shift where John Klingberg was on the ice for almost three and a half minutes. And the, uh, the Jets kind of just kept playing keep away from the out. It looked like a power play. I mean, they were playing keep away. They were get, generating a bunch of shots, getting to the inside. And you know, eventually, you know, they kind of got it, got them going. So for me, uh, those two moments really helped them. Obviously, Connor Hellbuck held the fort, and, and then Kyle Connor took care of the scoring department. But a lot of impressive players on a lot of fronts. Uh, and I'll say I'm going the guy we talked about a lot. I mean, he, he, his pass to Kyle Connor was just absolutely exceptional on the backhand. On the second goal, Mark Scheifele's pass is absolutely elite um, on the game winner as well. I mean, yes, I mean, Trevor Zegers uh, heard some footsteps and would like that turnover back, but uh, really smart play for Scheifele after Pion got the puck down low. And just like I said, elite finishing ability and just impressive to see uh, what that line was able to do. And I mean, again, we talk about engagement when it comes to Dubois, man. He just kind of dragged the team back into it again. I mean, he was, he was all over the map, and uh, he probably got away with at least a slash uh, at one point there. And But, again, his ability to draw penalties is high-end. I mean, 12 in the season, you know, he's at or among the lead leaders in that category again, and, and he's bringing the offense to his game as well. I mean, it's funny. I mean, how, ever since that morning where 
he felt he played one of the worst games in his you know, tenure with the Jets for sure, and maybe even in his career after that Vegas game. Uh, he's been lights out for the Jets ever since, and that's been a really important development, especially with all the injuries they have, with all three of those guys we've talked about in the top nine that are uh, on IR and on the shelf. Well, it was a great night. I enjoyed Kenny and Rennie last night. We'll look forward to another episode after tomorrow's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then, of course, full coverage from Regina at sportsnet.ca on both the Jets and, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers going for three in a row. Kenny, don't have too much fun in Regina this weekend, okay? Uh, you know me, Huss. Uh, always, always relishing every opportunity to chronicle history. Uh, it's going to be a historic weekend one way or the other, and uh, we'll see what, what we'll be reporting deep into the night on, uh, on Sunday. But, yeah, it should be a great time. Have a safe flight, and uh, you enjoy your experience as well. Uh, I know we've talked about this uh, privately. Uh, I have been to Qatar, to Doha, back in 1999. Uh, my college girlfriend's parents lived there for for a number of years um, and worked there, and I just had an absolutely you know great experience, great cultural experience visiting. And uh, I know you're going to have an absolute blast uh, with the event. Uh, I know the team Canada's fired up, the nation's fired up about the event, and uh, yeah, it should be just absolutely tremendous for you. And uh, just to end it on this note, Zach Caleros uh, touchdown pass into the end zone right there to uh, you know. On, on the on the last play before we we wrap things up, there it is. So, Bonner, maybe it's a sign of things to come right there. I love it. I love it, Kenny. Uh, we'll look forward to catching up and uh, hopefully connecting with you next week from Qatar. Have a great weekend in Regina, and we'll look forward to all of your work, uh, both at Kenny and Rennie and Sportsnet.ca. Have a great weekend, man, and have one for me. You too, brother. Uh, travel smoothly, and we'll uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. And I'm cheers. Right on. There's Ken Weeb, uh, fun KNR last night after the big win. Check that out on the YouTube page if you haven't seen it already. All right, folks, still to come. Marbles, cool bet lines. And by the way, we got well over 400 people in here. If you haven't already, folks, hit that red subscribe button and make sure you're subscribed to the Winnipeg Sports Talk YouTube channel and joining us daily when we go live Monday to Friday at 1 o'clock p.m. Next couple weeks, I'm going to be in Qatar I'll be connecting with Michael Remus remotely. Hopefully it all works out, but we'll uh, certainly have a few of the other guys stepping up for a little bit more. But uh, this is the place to be. And hit that thumbs up as well. We're getting close to 200 likes. Would love to get to that by the time we drop the marbles. All right. Hey, big thanks to Nick and Nikki DQ for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, why don't If you're having a great cup party, pop by one of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. Why don't you grab an ice cream cake to... Uh, make your spread that much more elite of course you can also hit them up on instagram at dq manitoba you can find out more i'm sure they have probably have some bomber cakes ready to go but if you need something custom they could probably get that done in time for sunday and uh no better reason to pop by one of them for nick and nicky dqs dq northgate dq niverville dq polo park and dq st anne's Grab a blizzard while you're at it and definitely check out those stack burgers. Absolutely elite when it comes to the fast food game. And yes, you were asking folks, thanks again to everyone that filled out the survey from our friends at Little Brown Jug. We do have a winner for the Grey Cup party pack of $125 of Little Brown Jug beer, as well as the $100 of Smitty's gift card to maybe fire up some wings and, uh, Eats for the crew, and the winner is Chris Cobbett. Chris, congratulations. I know Chris has been contacted by the folks at Little Brown Jug, and they are dropping off the prize. 
at his workplace this afternoon. So, uh, Chris, thank you for listening to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks for your support of us and Little Brown Jug, and thanks to everyone that filled that out. And, of course, with Grey Cup weekend here, folks, get the 1919s locked and loaded for Sunday afternoon. Pop by your local beer store or pop down to the brewery and tap room on William Avenue. You can try them all there in person. Check out the new beers in the Good Times Variety Pack and maybe grab a rack of the famous 1919 from our friends at Little Brown Jug. You can also check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca for citywide delivery. All right, before we get to marbles and take a quick look at the Grey Cup line and more with Cool Bet, let's get back to Regina and hook up with the voice of the Argos, our good friend Mike Hogan, for the latest on the Challengers, the East Division ter- champion, Toronto Argonauts. Hoagie, what's going on? You having any fun in Regina yet or what? Too busy. It's a work trip. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've aside from having to cover from a media perspective, but uh, working with the team now and all of the commitments and trying to get you weasel from the media all lined up, it's... Uh, I can say that now. Um, it's uh, It's been a busy trip, but wouldn't I'd rather be nowhere else on the planet right now. Um, uh, of course, huge win at home to get to Regina. Um, give us a little bit of an idea about the vibe around the Eastern Division champs heading into uh, the big game on Sunday. It's interesting because everybody from the first day of camp expected to be here. It, it, it's kind of weird, but um, when we looked around, we thought we had as good a chance as anybody in the East to advance to this game. And Every day has been the focus of getting here. Like if it, even if you look at the team schedule all year, it included Eastern Final and Grey Cup. So um, they're ready to go. And uh, it's a good team. It's a veteran team. And it's a team that's peaking at the perfect time. So uh, all things right now are, are pointed in the right ship, uh, in the right direction if you're on the good ship Argo. Uh, I've got to ask you about Andrew Harris and the, the boost that he brings back. I mean, he, we all know from his time here in Winnipeg, I mean, he is an absolute emotional leader of a team and he brings quite a bit on the field, but he also brings a lot to the team and the ability for him to play in this game and come back the way he has done. Well, what's that done to the Argos and how impactful do you think Andrew can be both individually and for his team on Sunday? Well, you guys know his pedigree. I mean, you know, the lead just talked about the leadership skills. And when Mike Clemens was making additions to this team, he went after three veterans to bring them in for Sunday. That's why he brought in Andrew Harris. That's why he brought in Jagera Davis. That's why he brought in Brandon Banks because of the, the championship caliber that they bring, the experience they have. And Andrew, as you know, like when he was out with the injury, um, he even put it on his Instagram, and the coach put out a statement when asked by the media. We thought he was done for the year. Andrew thought he was done for the year, but he wanted to, you know, get that second and third and fourth opinion just in case there was a chance. And when he came back, I was as surprised as anybody, you know, very happily surprised. Um, I think Andrew always thought there was that chance when he started to get the range of motion back that and, and the healing process was 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 doing better. That there was a chance he was going to play here. When he wasn't on the field, he was coaching up AJ Oled and Javon Leak in the backs, and he was a very very important part of this team. Even when he wasn't in the lineup, to get him in the lineup and paired up with AJ Oled, that gives the team an unbelievable one-two punch. And we saw them on the field at the same time last uh, week against Montreal. And you know Harris's biggest play came with Oled on the field with him. Oled's play biggest play of the game came with Harris on the field with him. So they've been able to, to do some really good things together, although they really haven't had a lot of time to, to weed things out uh, in the in the time that he's been back. So I'm really curious to see how Coach Dinwiddie uses these two on Sunday. 
Mike Hogan with the uh, Toronto Argonauts joining us from Regina as we get ready for kickoff in Grey Cup 109 between the double blue and the blue and gold. Uh, listen, obviously the Argos are underdogs in this in this game. The Blue Bombers are uh, you know favorites for a reason. When you look at the Argos and the Bombers, Mike, what are the things that has to happen for the Toronto Argonauts to give them the best chance of uh, pulling the upset of becoming champions of the CFL? Ready for the cliches? Are you ready for the cliches? Fire away, fire away. Um, I, I think they have to establish some sort of running game. And I think with the guys that we were just talking about, that's a, 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 not necessarily a certainty, but a, a very strong possibility that they can do that. But they've got to hang on to the football. Uh, I think both of these two teams are opportunistic. Um, the Argos forced more turnovers than anybody else in the league. They had more uh, interceptions than any team in the league. And if they can if they can win the turnover battle by two, I think they win. If Winnipeg wins the turnover battle by two, I think they win. Um, I think both teams have a puncher's chance. I think this is a pretty evenly matched group of players on each side. So I really don't know what's going to happen, but I really do think it comes down to turnovers on Sunday. And with the weather a little frosty, uh, maybe that comes into play. You know, you know, Hoagie, I mean, when we think about this run the Bombers have been on, and it truly is special. I mean, they're on the verge of doing something that no team's done since the 80s. Uh, it's been the Argos, maybe, of all the teams that have played them the toughest in their limited meetings over the last couple of seasons. Um, what has that done in their previous, I mean, they're hanging with the Bombers as they have over the last couple of seasons. What does that do to their mindset and the confidence level that they have that they can run with the with the, uh, with the big dogs? Well, I think that if this team gets off to a slow start, it won't matter. Um, you know, they they were down big to the Bombers in the game, which is, what, week three or four, yeah, week four. Uh, in Toronto where they lost by a, a missed extra point uh, at the end of the game. Uh, it was a really close game. Bombers got up early, a couple of big interceptions, one pick six, and McLeod Bethel Thompson fought back. And, you know, he's, he, he does, he's a quarterback. He's like Zach in a lot of ways where they don't get frazzled. Um, if something goes wrong early, that really doesn't matter because they're just going to keep plugging along. That's that's their mindset. That's who they are as human beings. And that shows in the way that they play the position. So um, I, I think if either team gets up to a quick start, the game's not over, put it that way. Uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is uh, such an interesting player. I mean, uh, you know, at times he's, you know, looked like one of the best. Other times, you know, he's struggled and had his fair share of critics. How would you categorize his season? And most importantly, how is he playing going into the biggest game of uh, his career in the Argo season? I think his uh, game on Saturday against Montreal was his best game of the season. And the fact that the offensive line is playing its best, that's not a coincidence. Brian Hunter was the Argos' first pick in 2018. Um, and they picked him late in the first round, knowing he was going to go to the NFL. And he did. And he played four years down there, and he won a Super Bowl ring with Kansas City. And he's back. He came in about three quarters of the year through the year, and he's been dynamite. He's really solidified the running game. Uh, he's given him a little bit of attitude on the O line as well. It shows in the run game, especially. Mac was clean. I don't think he got his uniform dirty last week against Montreal, uh, who has brought pretty good pressure all year long. So uh, this offense is peaking at the right time, and so is Mac. It's a really good marriage, and I can't wait to see what happens on Sunday. You know, we've been spending quite a bit of time talking about the uh, the Bombers, and when you're doing these matchups, oh, we're talking about the quarterbacks. Brady Oliveira had a big game last year, but, I mean, you know this roster as well as anyone. Um, you know, for the Argos to win or have a strong game, is there a player or two that people aren't talking about that will be counted on to have um, their biggest game of the season? Um, 
There's a lot. I think the guy that's been really underlooked this year is Dwayne Hendricks. He's a defensive tackle, whereas number 99. He's taken a lot of double teams, which has allowed the guys to get pressure. And if you look at the sack total of the Argos, it's not high. But if you were to look at quarterback pressures and pressures that force interceptions, they may be at the top of the league. Like mentioned, the Argos have 28 interceptions this year. Most of them were forced by pressure from the D-line or the backers or whoever came in on pressure. And Hendricks has allowed guys to do that because he'll take up a double team in the middle. And he's made some big tackles and pressures and sacks, and yet nobody in the league talks about him. So if you're looking for maybe an unheralded guy, uh, I'd look at Dwayne Hendricks' defensive tackle. Uh, Bomber fans all remember Ryan Dinwiddie being uh, pushed into service in the 2007 Grey Cup. Uh, we all remember him getting the job. He's got some more experience under his belt. I mean, uh, just tell us a little bit about how Dinwiddie has uh, be- become the leader of this team um, and maybe what he's got cooking for the Bombers on Sunday afternoon. If, if, and talking to guys who were with him in Winnipeg, he's the same way now that he was then, and that's type A football, and everybody who played with him at any level knew he was going to be a coach at some point. And Mike Clemens, when he was out looking for a head coach, saw something in Ryan Dinwiddie uh, that allowed him to get this job maybe before he had paid his dues like some other coaches had. He's still relatively young in his coaching career. So uh, it's been a learning curve for him, and, and at this stage, he's fantastic. His, his schemes are, are really good. His play calling is really interesting and has been dynamite this year so as a coach he's fine and players players respect him they know that he's in that battle with them and that he's doing everything in his uh power to try and put them in the best position to win like every coach is for every team in the league but you know for a young coach it might take a while to win the respect and then what he's got it here there's zero question about that Hey, Mike, uh, before we go, it is uh, going to be chilly. I mean, we know the Bombers are a prairie team. They play outdoors. You sort of uh, embrace the cold. Um, is the cold a particular challenge for the Argos, or are they right there looking forward to it, and uh, it shouldn't be a factor in the game? Well, as we speak, the wind chill is minus 22, and we got guys out there in shorts. Uh, so they're embracing it. The, the matter of the team has essentially been it's not cold enough. And that's the mindset they're taking. And you guys know what it's like. There's a big advantage when you play in the prairies for teams who come out and all they think about is the cold. I haven't heard guys talk about it in two days. First practice, yes, absolutely. Uh, Yesterday was colder. Today's warmer. And seriously, they practice outside this week for a reason. Didn't what he wanted them to get used to the elements. And they are. And it's going to be even warmer Sunday than it is today, which was warmer than it was yesterday. So I really don't think that psychologically, at least, it's going to make a difference at all. I talked to Mac about throwing the football in this weather. He's been able to adjust. He had a really good day. He's looked good at practice today as well. So I don't think the weather is going to be as big a factor as a lot of people would make it out to be. Uh, speaking of uh, the other factors, what about the crowd? I mean, you know there'll be lots of Bomber fans, but uh, are you getting the vibe that uh, the entire Ryder Nation will be riding with the double blue, hoping that their arch rivals take a big L in the uh, championship game? Are you telling me that Saskatchewan fans don't like the Bombers? I wasn't aware of that. Um, We are hoping that everybody who has ever put a watermelon on their head is going to be on the boat with the Argonauts this Sunday. Um, There are obviously going to be a lot of people who made their way down from the peg, but uh, we're hoping that, you know, maybe it's weird that the big city would be the underdog because a lot of people across the country aren't fans of our village. Um, but, you know, we're the underdog in this, and the Bombers have won it twice in a row, and this is a neat story here with McLeod Bethel-Thompson and company. So, 
We could be Canada's sweethearts this week. That's all I'm saying. Ogie, listen, uh, miss being out there this week, but um, have a great weekend. And uh, here's to a great game between uh, the Argos and the Bombers on Sunday, uh, no matter how it turns out. Thanks so much for doing this and uh, have a great weekend in Regina. And if we win, I want to see you wearing a different sweater next week. (laughs) Well, we can make a bet if you want, Ogie. I'll text you about that. (laughs) Perfect. All right, well, the talking's all finished. Now it's time to have some fun in Regina for everyone heading out for Grey Cup weekend and then to kick off and see whether the Bombers can make history on Sunday afternoon as back-to-back-to-back champions of the Canadian Football League completing the three-peat. All right, we uh, have some unfinished business to do, folks, and that, of course, is Marbles Racing. Uh, It's been a couple weeks since we've had it, but they're back. And a huge announcement, if you missed it earlier on, um, teaming up with our friends at Consolidated Supply to bring you the Marbles, the Winnipeg Sports Talk 2022 Marbles Tournament of Champions, brought to you by Consolidated Supply. Spicy, Joe and the gang have hooked us up big time. We are going to be giving away a pair of Blue Bomber season tickets for 2023. And um, right now, but quickly, the Marbles registration is open. Exclamation mark Marbles in the chat right now if you want to get in on the Marbles race. Uh, But yes, when I come back from Qatar, we will get going. We will run 12 races. We'll have secondary opportunities to qualify via Facebook and Instagram We'll run 10 straight races heading into Christmas, and I believe our championship race is going to be the final show of 2022 when someone's going to get bomber season tickets courtesy of Consolidated Supply for 2023. It's going to be awesome. Thanks again to the guys for connecting with us on this. It should be a lot of fun, and we said we'd make up a couple of those Miss Marble races. We're going to do it, and then some coming up in the month of December. All right, while you all... Register exclamation mark marbles in the chat. Let's take a quick look at the cool bet lines. The Friday best bet episode is out now. Did that with Dusty before we started Winnipeg Sports Talk today. I've raised the bar quite high. I'm feeling the pressure. I'm 26 and 14 against the spread in the NFL this year. The picks are there for you. Make sure to subscribe to the Lock Shop YouTube channel. And um, once we get to 1,000 subscribers, we're going to be giving away $1,000 to somebody that is subscribed. So another good reason more than just the picks. Uh, Grey Cup, Bombers, Argos, Sunday. Line's pretty much been solid at minus 5.5 for the better part of the last couple days. Total, 48. And the money line, Argos plus 195. Bombers minus 238. You know I'm riding with the blue and gold. The Argos do make me somewhat nervous that this could be a really tight game, but I just think the Bombers have been trending all season long up until this point. I think they get it done, and I will lay the five and a half and look for the Bombers to win by six and hopefully cash a few tickets for all of us over at CoolBet.com. Of course, full number of NFL games up for the week. And one game tonight in the National Hockey League, very quiet night, the Kings and Canucks. Canucks minus 110, LA minus 107 for that Friday night game at the Rogers Arena out in Vancouver. And World Cup gets going on Sunday. First game, Qatar and Ecuador. Then 
a full slate of games, three a day beginning on Monday, England, Iran, Senegal and the Netherlands and USA and Wales. Every World Cup matches up right now to bet on. You can bet on tournament favorites, who you think is going to win the entire thing. And there are great specials for Canada, who's going to be the top goal scorer, who will score, who will get booked, how well Canada will do. So it's all there for you, folks. If you haven't played at Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST when you're making your first deposit. And we'll hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit over at Cool Bet. Um, Remo, there's literally thousands of options for World Cup I'm, betting. I'm I will be admitted. It. it kept me up very, very late last night. Uh, but I'll tell you what, this is what we need to know. This is what we need to ride with. Canada to progress to playoff, plus 295. Not a lot of people believing that the Canadians can do it. I do, though, and I can't wait to be there. We'll have great content all week long on the Cool Bet social channels here on Winnipeg Sports Talk on my Instagram, at Hustlerama. Uh, so ride with me, plus 295. And if you really want to get aggressive, Canada to the quarterfinals, 10 to 1. There's always one surprise team. Why not us? Why not us? That's what I'm saying. All right. Cool bet lines are in the books. Tomorrow, World Cup picks, as well as our par- our parlays and props for the weekend. And just make sure you're subscribed to the Lock Shop YouTube channel. It's the best place to get all the Lock Shop content. Uh, all right. Last call for marbles, everybody. Anybody in? Anyone need to uh, drop one more in the chat? Exclamation mark marbles. And I'll give you about 10 seconds or so. And then, uh, Remo, you can uh, wrap that up and uh, we'll get everything loaded. Sure. Before we go, I got a couple. I got a story that that I saw on uh, on online yesterday. Making the rounds, Hus. I'm getting nervous here uh, about province of Manitoba and time zones. Did you see this one? Hustler. I did see this. Okay. So Manitoba considers move to permanent daylight savings time. And all I care about is, look, we need to keep NFL games starting at noon and NHL games first game of the night starting at 6. Okay? I can't. Ha- we can't be one of those time zones that's out of sync with the rest of the continent. Look, if everyone in the continent wants to move, the same time zone or and not switch that's fine but we can't be in this one where it's like half half time you know half the year and another half of the year and another time zone 6 6 p.m hockey 12 p.m football that's all i care about us i don't want my viewing habits ruined i don't know if we're going to be on mountain or eastern eastern so okay let me ask you this if they if this happens are we going to be on summertime all year long or winter time all year long i i don't know i I want the summertime I, I want, like, I like it to be as light, as late as possible mm-hmm. in the summer. Um, you know, it's great for golfing after work. I mean, it's just, I don't know, to me, that's what it's all about. I don't really care about the winter, to be honest, very much. We know it's going to suck. We know the nights are going to be long. There's not going to be a ton of daylight. But the summer is definitely the spot. Hus, <laughs> Tikona Polly yeah. with the super chat. Hus, bail cash for Qatar. Thank you very much. Tikona Polly just dropped a... 30 Qatari reals there for me to uh, help out if anything goes awry when we get to the Middle East. There you go. Very nice. And Tico and Pauly actually bought uh, off our website. uh, Pauly bought a hoodie and a toque. And he sent me a picture of him looking quite good. 
in it. Yeah, but. T. Kona Paul, you look awesome, buddy. And by the way, if you do want to, uh, holidays just around the corner. The new Tukes are in. This is one of them. You can pick it up at Royal Sports. If you're popping in to grab your World Cup, uh, World Cup stuff, or if you're grabbing uh, bomber gear, Jets gear, make sure to grab one of those. And we still do have a few at the website as well. WinnipegSports.com slash store. That's where T. Kona Polly got the zip-up hoodies are awesome. If you're looking for something cool, maybe for a little gift for yourself, for somebody at Christmas, that stuff is all there. Thanks again, to. Okay, so people are saying that it is the summer. It, it, it is the so, summer. I would, I can handle that if the summer, and I still don't understand how that would affect what time the games are on. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll deal with it. What I don't want is to lose that extra hour of sunlight. Like, I don't want the sun coming up at 4.30 in the morning. That's when we're sleeping. Let's have longer summer nights. That's my priority when it comes to this. Yes. And 12 o'clock start time. We don't want games also going way too late, like Eastern time zone. I don't know what time zone we'd be on, but I think it's if the U.S. changes, we're prepared to change too. So, yeah, we'll just do what they do. That's fine. I don't want to be making – I don't want to be one of those provinces that does their own thing with time zones. And you're half yeah. – again, half the year you're in one time zone and half in another. That's too much to keep track of. Just one, one time zone. With the time Nicely chain. done. All right, let's uh, <laughs> yeah. let's get these marbles oh. dropping. Yeah, I, I gotta go stop. to Qatar. Sorry. I've been going on about time zones. I haven't been, <laughs> I haven't been loading them. Whoa, we got a lot of marbles here. A hundred and eighty-six. Nice, I nice. Like okay, and I got you. Let me know when you're ready for the other uh, the other marbles that we need to add in today's yeah. race. I'll let you know. Um, I do want to say one other thing too. Now that we've, it's like now that we've done the Newman and Solani celebration. Like, how long until another Jets Hall of Fame? Like, what other celebrations? Had, had that had, had that question last night. Like, yeah. who are the who's, next people to go next? into the Jets Hall of Fame? I mean, they're sort of the obvious ones are already in. Hmm. I did like the suggestion of Joe Daly. I mean, was Bob Bob Essence? I had the one great season. Was he here long enough? I mean, there's a number of guys that came in and had a few great years. Um, Keith Kachuk obviously has, you know, I mean, I think it would probably make sense for him to get in, although he certainly wasn't beloved the way Newman and Solani were. And I think there's probably some people in the organization that, you know, that frankly loved him, the fans, not as much. And I don't know. I think it would probably, as we heard from Chris King, some interesting stories on the Solani side of things. Bottom line is those guys were no brainer additions. Mm -hmm. And I think it gets a little bit more difficult, and it could be a little while before we have another class into the Jets Hall of Fame like we yeah, had yesterday. I was well, I was watching the game. I was like, well, eventually, I believe Blake Wheeler will be in. Uh, he's leading in a lot of, in a lot of categories. Um, I'd like to have a, a buff. I don't know if it would ever happen, but a Bufflin like retirement night officially. To you know, like how like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels like went in the ring and and <laughs> shook hands, buried the hatchet. We got to have a set proper send off for Bob. I'm not saying his number needs to go up, but my dream is to have a ceremony where the Winnipeg Jets acquire their 1.0 records from the Arizona Coyotes. Have a ceremony, have some do something for it. Like we're honoring the past. We have all the logos. It's great, but I mean, Timus Lanny is not the current franchise rookie uh, goal scoring. According leader. to who? Uh, that's that, that's basically my response well, to it. According to who? I, I nobody agree, cares. I agree with you, but like they have to say it. Like you see NHL tweet on, they say on the broadcast, Ilya Kovalchuk, you know, scored so many goals. Like I know nobody cares. Let's make it official. Come on. Like what are we, All right. what are we doing here? I've been saying this for years. Like NFL 
And NBA have shuffled it around with uh, move teams. I got to harp on this, Hus. We got to keep talking about it. It's like uh, three-point games. Got to keep talking about it. And uh, the playoff format. St- stuff needs to be talked about. You just forget about it. Yeah, well, listen, I, I like the takes. I like the takes. Uh, mm-hmm. That being said, we don't need to keep talking about it. What we do need to do is get ready for this marble okay, race. Okay, who's in? So we can get. Okay, our Bomber Award winners. Zach Caleros. Yeah. Stanley Bryant. Yeah. Dalton Schoen. Yeah. Mike O'Shea. Yeah. Timu Solani. Yeah. Teppo Newman. Yeah. And by request from the chat, Jennifer Hansen, who was back singing the anthem last night. We'll add those seven mm-hmm. marbles in today, and along with the 180 plus that are in. And get ready for uh, one final marble race before I get on that plane to go to Qatar. Again, next week, uh, we'll probably have a few of the other guys stepping in a little bit more. Probably won't be on the show on Wednesday because uh, I will be at the Canada-Belgium game, which I believe is that same time. Uh, but we'll be cranking out a ton of content uh, throughout the next uh, the next two weeks. So follow along. Hope you enjoy it. And uh I'm uh, intrigued, nervous, but um, can't wait to uh, can't wait okay. to get going. And I just hope everything works to do the show. Okay. That's basically my big concern. Couple good suggestions here: uh, guests Chris King and Kurt Kilback. If you miss those, uh, you can put that in. Kyle Connor for his hat trick last night. Uh, Al Couture is going to be getting Zach's yeah. ankle ankle yes. ready. Yes. <laughs> so KFC and Al Couture. Let's let's okay. yeah, KFC has to get one in for the hat trick. Yeah. And uh, at Al Couture. And that's good. We got nine extras in there. Okay, we got 195 marbles. In the here we go. Are we ready for the? Uh, are we ready for the theme song? Uh, no, I'm not ready. I'm way behind. I got really fired up there, Huss. My <laughs> the minute just you know you get Remo talking about time zones and the Jets records and the entire show falls off the rails. Yeah, basically. So give me <laughs> give me a second here. I'm out of stores. Look, it's busy week. Grey Cup, time, yeah, time. So I just want the games then, the NFL games at noon. I don't want to be late games. Can't have 5 p.m. starts. It's too early. We know, we know. <laughs> Look, did got- Bones get his hoodie yet? No, we're uh, we're arranging a special presentation to Bones. We- probably be his Christmas present from WST when the team gets back and I get back coming up in uh, in sh- December. We should do that. We can film it. We can give him the hoodie. Take a ceremonial picture. <laughs> it's gonna be a great moment. Uh, we don't do marbles around here without Tristan Rivers dropping the world famous marbles theme. Uh, you know him from his hits. Uh, Enter Kenny. Sean's headband, and of course, his number one hit, Friday Marbles Race on WST. Let's do this.
right? After a couple-week break when Remus was away, growing his family, Marbles is back. And again, if you're just popping in a little late, the big announcement earlier today, we've teamed up with the guys at Consolidated Supply. December, the 12 Days of Marbles, the 2022 Marbles Tournament of Champions, 12 races, three qualifiers per race will advance to the final race of the year. We'll have a couple of entries where you can get in via Facebook or Instagram. And the final show of 2022, we are going to give away a pair of bomber season tickets for the 2022 uh, 2023 season, courtesy of the fellas over at Consolidated Supply. Make sure to check them out at cte.ca. And of course, you can also check them out in person. They are open to the public. People don't know that. 1395 Niaqua Road East. Um, all right, we're pushing 200 marbles here today, Reem. Yeah, 195. Uh, we're just doing a quick update, Hus. Uh, we're doing a quick update. So 195 marbles. That's a lot. Uh, and I see everyone in here on a Friday. Fired up here for the weekend. So hey, who uh, uh, who who with us in chat right now is heading out to uh, Regina? Anyone that uh, is maybe leaving tomorrow, there. just going for a quick one. Anyone going out on game day? Interesting here. I got a bunch of my uh, my homies that are out there already. Got quite festive last night, by all accounts. Uh, everyone's a touchdown Manitoba right now, whooping it up, wearing their blue and gold, and then uh, taking over Regina. The Occupy Regina movement by the Bomber Nation continues throughout the weekend, culminating with the big game on Sunday afternoon. What is it, a 5 o'clock kickoff, 5.30 kickoff or so? Yeah, something like that, I think. Isn't that 5? I'm not sure. Oh, uh... Wolf Spain leaving tomorrow morning. Love it. David LaFantasy, I wish. Got Milt going out on Sunday morning early. You know, that's a that's a veteran move. I mean, as people, you know, you can't maybe make it out for the entire weekend. And obviously hotels are incredibly scarce and very expensive. Um, you know, get up in the morning, get out there by, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, get after it for a bit, and uh, bottom line, count yourself in. And hey. I will say this, as someone that's been there before, if you're wondering, oh, tickets are expensive, come game day, there will be tickets kicking around, and uh, you can probably make something happen for a pretty good price for people if you're willing to wait till a little bit closer to the last minute. Um, <laughs> I'll sit on Remo's lap again. You know, that'll be right. Girls69.xyz. Of course. Just popping in in time for marbles. Guess what, girls 69 XYZ? You're not in the marble race, and you just got thrown over the top rope. All right, so we got over 190, Remo. What uh, what course are we going to do today? It's been a minute since we've done one Yeah, I forget all these. We're, I haven't done this for a while. It. I haven't we're witnessing done. it live. The excitement of the Grey Cup, the World Cup, and everything. We're woefully underprepared for marbles today, but don't what? worry. It's about to happen. Okay, 195. Uh, let's do, I don't know, Marble Mill. What about mill? the Marble Mill? Yeah, I, that sounds fun. That sounds fun. I agree. So All right. So we've added in our Bomber Award winners, Zach Caleros, Mike O'Shea, Stanley Bryant, Dalton Schoen, Jets Hall of Fame nominees, Timu Solani, Tepo Newman, Kyle Connor for his hat trick, Jennifer Hansen for the anthem, and everyone else that entered. All right, folks, this is the Marble Mill. Marbles is back. A bit of a primer for the December Consolidated Supply Tournament of Champions and 12 Days of Marbles. 
Here we go. iHeart Gaming with a hot start down in the marble mill, heading up to the top. I like this one. Uh, we've got Mike Laderny looking quite good so far. Who's going to get out first and into the spot? We've got, uh, looks like Doug Zapp. And Mike Laderny looking quite good, but uh, a lot. Now, guys going on left and right. Mike's on the right. Doug Zapp is in first place right now with a, nice, a little bit of a nice lead. Um, is that Jennifer Hansen? Whoa. That's in second place there? Whoa, what's going on here? All right. We're starting to shoot people uh, uh, ahead. We're starting to get some eliminations. Who will survive? The Marble Mill throwing. This is, uh, you know, it can help you out big time or it can end your afternoon and your dream very quickly. The D train over the top rope. Drew Music. Oh, and Dalton Schoen. <laughs> Dalton Schoen. This would be incredible. I will be, I will be throwing down on Dalton Schoen for most outstanding uh, player in the Great Cup if he wins this. I think that would be a sign if he's going to be able to do it. Rob Pepper is it in the mix right now? Who's going to come out first? Drew Music looks like Drew Music is right now in the pole position. Dalton Schoen and Rob Pepper on the other side. Drew Music got through first. Dalton Schoen right behind him. Drew Music with the lead. Bomber CFL Rookie of the Year. Dalton Schoen right behind. Schoen moves into first place. Dalton Schoen with a slight lead. Drew Music gets him at the end. And Drew Music is the winner. Dalton Schoen second. Rob Pepper. Stanley Bryant top five finish as well. <laughs> Zach Caleros getting in. Tell you what. Bombers by a million this weekend, folks. If two of our added marbles are top five, Zach was close to the top ten. Mike O'Shea right in the mix as well, I see. I don't think this has ever happened before. Mike O'Shea. Mike O'Shea did bop, drop out of the uh, to the top 10 right at the end, I believe. But uh, Drew Music is the winner. Congratulations, Drew. Dalton Schoen second. Rob Pepper. Brandon Balfour. Four-time most outstanding lineman. Stanley Bryant in fifth. Eugene C. Donnie Boy. Vosby. Good Gravy. And Ephraim S. in number 10. Oh, Kabilis got thrown over the top rope right at the end. Everyone's still coming through. Your boy Mitch. Patrolman Pete. Theo Seegers just got burned. Timo Solani did make it through. Eagle Eyes, Trevor Frost, and uh, Theo Seegers, the final. Uh, where did Mike O'Shea finish up there, Remo? He was right near the top at the end. Jennifer 24. Hansen with the nights. Seems like all, all of our uh, added marbles, Dalton Schoen second, Brian fifth, uh, Jennifer Hansen 16, Mike O'Shea 24, all, all in there. Good, good vibes. Um, Drew Music, congratulations. Send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. We'll uh, make arrangements to get you that hoodie, probably when I get back, if that's okay. Uh, and other than that, folks, it's been an awesome week. This is going to be an incredible weekend. And uh, needless to say, I'm pretty excited for the next couple weeks. Uh, you'll probably have, uh, you know, Michael Remus holding it down at times, along with some of our other regulars and some special guests. I will be on uh, technology permitting. I mean, Monday show, we'll be talking about the Grey Cup. We'll be talking about the weekend for the Jets. I'll be giving you a little bit of a live look at what's happening in and around Qatar. And we'll definitely be cranking out a whole bunch of World Cup content on the Cool Bet channels, Winnipeg Sports Talk, and my Twitter, at Hustlerama. Um, Remo, 
have an awesome weekend and uh, enjoy the Grey Cup. Thanks. Yeah, really looking, uh, really looking forward to this game, Hus. It's going to be awesome. Will we be celebrating and partying in the streets next week, or will we be wondering what could have been? Because uh, really, like, well, you could be like really serious high and uh, not like the the world. Like you just won the last two. It'd be disappointing to not win three in a row. But I hope I hope I'm putting out a picture of myself in bomber gear in the streets of Doha at five in the morning celebrating. A jet-lagged but incredible three-peat for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, don't miss the shows next week, folks. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. And all you Marbles fans, get ready for the Marbles Tournament of Champions coming up in December. Big thanks to Consolidated Supply for helping us make that happen. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Don't forget BP Henderson, the big official bomber. Grey Cup party if you're looking for a spot to watch it with some friends in the city. And uh, otherwise, thanks so much to uh, everyone. It's been another amazing week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Cannot wait for the next couple with Canada in the World Cup. Have a great one. Go Blue. Enjoy the game. Hockey Day in Canada tomorrow with the Jets and the Penguins. And, of course, Canada in the World Cup next week. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Go Blue. See you next week from Qatar in the World Cup. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 